You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 131 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the spare room studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'll yeah. tell you what, it's been a, it's been a technical. Uh, um, I've been busy. Busyness, uh, have, a yeah. hive of activity in the studio this morning because Matt's been playing around with Facebook things and yeah. and uh, and some mm. of you are watching on Facebook Live today, which is quite exciting. It is, yeah. So there's a new feature that I, I've been tweaking and working on. Uh, some of you are hopefully watching it via the uh, our, our web page as well. As I say, I've also mm. built an engine into our web page that enables us to watch it. So I've had quite a busy week this week. You know, <laughs> we have uh, this week. I've uh, been very lucky indeed to grab two guests to guest host a show with us. And um, our first guest joining us via uh, you Skype. You may as well introduce them both because they're going to see both okay. of them at the same time. So we right. have, okay, we have two guests. <laughs> we have two guests joining us on the show this morning. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, our first guest is in, uh, in South Carolina. Ooh. Oh, very good. Those of you listening to uh, the Airline Pilot Guy show will, uh, will know, obviously, that we have Dr. Steph. Yeah. And our second guest joining us as well from uh, Maine, Portland, Maine, our main man yeah. is Micah. So welcome our guests to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. So nice to be here in the PTUK remote studios in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love yes, it. Yes, I was actually trying to think. I'm like, I guess we'll just call mine the South Carolina studios. South I like Carolina it. Yes, studio, absolutely. Yeah. It's the way forward. It is the way forward. Now, listen, guys, this is the first time that we've had a chance to speak to both of you, really, since a, a certain meetup took back. A, well, in I July. I can't believe it was it's a few July. months ago now. Mm. It's so good. Oh, we, oh, honestly, I had so much fun that weekend. Uh, it, was just, oh. it was just brilliant. I don't even know how to top that weekend going forward from this i mean it was such an awesome event and so many great people you know coming together and meeting up and wow yeah it was, it was definitely the the highlight of my year and uh just absolutely fabulous it it, it couldn't have been better no, it was brilliant, and, and I, 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 from me, from my point of view, also, given uh, you know the, the how how amazing the APG uh, show is, uh, to actually be allowed to sit there and be like you know along with myself and nev sat there in charge of all the tech was just like the biggest uh ego boost i think i've ever had in my life i i, I had so much it was stressful don't get me wrong because uh, <laughs> i'd made all myself and never made all these lavish promises about about getting you a live show uh, hopefully with no technical glitches uh, and in fact it would have been tech free uh, there would have been tech problem free if it hadn't been for what turned out to be Captain Nick having his microphone the wrong, wrong way, way round. round. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> bless him. Well, that's not something that you could really control. No, so no, uh, indeed. Absolutely. We won't count that against you. No, thank I, I you mean, very to be much. honest, we could not have done that without you guys. And I know we said before, but it doesn't hurt to say it again. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for helping us pull that off because it really would not have happened without you guys. Oh, yeah. It was just so much fun. Well, as I was yeah. saying, obviously, our, our, our big thanks, my personal thanks, obviously, as I said at the time, to, to Neville Bounds, because yeah. as I say, it was it was such a tech, you know, between us, we really were the, we were the dream team. I'm, I'm being oh, I modest. Know. I know. <laughs> uh, I know, but it, it, really, it really was fantastic. Such an achievement. I still, and this is really sad, I still sit down and watch it every now and again, I even know, now. I know, it still makes uh, me smile. <laughs> it does, it really makes me smile. But actually, you've got to bear in mind that Steph had a big achievement that weekend as well. She did, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, 
it was yeah. quite a special experience. The, for the all chicken of us. McNugget eating challenge, you know, one <laughs> one Micah, by step. Micah was a little worried that we were going to um, have a repeat between him and I this morning. Right. But it's <laughs> a little early that. here for chicken McNuggets, so. Have you developed a phobia of chicken nuggets now? I mean, or or are you still okay with chicken nuggets after that? No, 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 I'm still fine with chicken nuggets. They're they're delicious. Yeah, I think, and if we were to do it this morning, we would have to have done it with with egg McMuffins. I think it's just a bit early. Uh, It's true. That is true. Yes, of course. Now, now, what it's what it was. It's about quarter past seven uh, a.m. where you guys are. Yeah. 15. Look at this, yeah. the, the dedication. I know. Oh, no. oh, we really do. I say we, we, yep. we do appreciate you guys coming on there this morning. Now, listen, uh, Michael, just, just, just to plug, obviously, uh, what you're actively involved in. I know you've been running uh, in, over the last few weeks some content from, from Farnborough. Um, yeah, over on the Geek Show. Yeah. Over on the Geek Show. Well, the Geeks have been running it, and they've been kind enough to invite me along to, uh, to be a part of it. But, uh, yeah, the, the Airplane Geeks, I think we did... Uh, four whole shows that were dedicated to uh, to Farnborough and uh, which I mispronounced again but that's okay <laughs> Farnborough um, and- <laughs> but yeah and, and, and a lot of that content a good portion of it was really PTUK content that we all did together yeah uh, and there are a lot of if you go over the uh, Airplane Geeks website and kind of scroll down and I mm-hmm. think it goes back I can't remember the episode numbers offhand but there are a lot of pictures that uh, that uh, Carlos took and that uh, Dave took and yeah. that are up there on on the on the plane talking uk website and it's all interviews that uh that we all did together and it was that was one of the beauties of that whole farnborough uh meetup is that it was multiple podcasts that are really no relation to each other yet it's a family of podcasts and when we we all work together as one big one and they they came across uh in different places it was just it was marvelous and also because it it was uh, and that was what was so special about the big meetup wasn't it because it was literally the the meeting of multi it was everyone from plane safety captain al uh, apg airplane geeks the, the now you can pro- you can pronounce it correctly i always get it wrong the 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 tau the omega yeah and it was ju- it was just so much fun and it was just lovely to have uh, so many people all, all sat there together and it, it, as i say for me it's going to be one of those uh, big memories uh, just uh, for everyone else's uh, information, the the content that we took at Farnborough will be going out over the Christmas period. Uh, yeah. We're going to turn uh, our Christmas, Christmas shows show. into Farnborough and React specials, mm. essentially. So our version of that content, uh, if you can't wait, obviously, then you can find the audio versions of that content on the um, uh, the Airplane Geeks website. Uh, but the video versions will actually be played out here uh, on Plane Talking UK uh, over yeah. the Christmas period, because uh, uh, one of the things that was common to when we did our Christmas shows last year was that it was a little bit sort of just audio only, which didn't really work on YouTube. So, uh, mm. so yeah, so th- what we thought we'd do is our Christmas shows would uh, actually be, our Christmas and New Year shows would be uh, Farnborough content. So, Liz, anyway. Uh, Liz Piper in the chat room, she's just said, oh, Christmas special, like Downton Abbey used to have. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Got to love a bit of Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yes, uh, has, has that made it across to you guys over? Oh the yeah, States, big Downton time. Abbey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, well, in fact, actually, um, oh, where was it? I can't remember. Anyway, my my auntie. I probably shouldn't say this. My auntie. I used to record it for her and send it to her so she could watch it. Because otherwise she had. <laughs> otherwise she had to wait till March to Terrible. watch it. You know. So it was right. Just, can there was I, a delay. It's can like, I? Can I just say? On, out. Yeah. <laughs> talking about uh, release dates and stuff. You guys over there have had the pleasure of being able to go and watch the film Sully. I mean, I've heard you oh, talk yeah. about it on the on the uh, on the APG show, and on the Geeks as well. And um, we are here in the UK. I've got it's to December, wait until December yeah, the yeah. second yeah. um, to actually see yes. the film. 
Um, but uh, from what I've heard, it it, uh, it was good. It was good. It was I've good already viewing. seen it. Yep. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Don't tell me. I don't want to know what happened. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was an excellent movie. Definitely see it when you can. Um, it's a shame that you guys have to wait until mm. December. That is very terribly un- far away. That is very very unusual actually, because they normally they, they 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 normally sort of come out more or less the same time. Here. In fact, actually, a lot of the Marvel stuff actually comes out here in the UK before it does out in the states. I think but... the TV series is, the TV series stuff always comes out a day after the US, yeah. whereas films we tend to have to wait you know a few months. Mm, in it the depends UK. on the film, not not really yeah. that. Long. Anyway, by the by, so, so well, I shall be going to yes, the okay. the fully functional as will I. Odeon IMAX as will I. cinema. Yes. Yeah. In fact, um, I, I might even Matt. Yeah, me and Matt I'll, I'll come with you, and then we can review it afterwards. As, as, because as, as, I, I did mention it to uh, to my wife Gemma the other day. I said, "Shall we? Shall I? Shall she we go immediately nodded the, off the Sully <laughs> film, and she was like, um, pff, um, no, you know. no, okay. Well, so, just be you and I then. Just be, just yeah. be me and Matt <laughs> okay, for that splendid. one. Yeah. Well, if you want to see it early, I haven't seen it yet. If you want to come over here, we can just all go. <laughs> Do you know what, Micah? If I if I had a few hundred pounds spare, I'd fly over yeah. and come and see it with you. That's fair enough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But anyway, getting back to the show. Indeed. Uh, so the date today is the 24th of September. It's uh, 20 minutes past midday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got uh, loads of news to get through this week, uh, some military stories. We've also got the results from our listener top 10 airline poll that mm-hmm. we set a while back. We've got those results to bring to you as well. And we've also got uh, a few mentions as well, which we've had messages sent through Facebook uh, from some of the listeners as well to mention. And uh, and we've got also got a segment from Pip. We have uh, yes, which this week is all about gliders. Indeed, which is cool. So we've yes. got that to play out. So we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, yes, I certainly am. And if you're ready, our two wonderful guests. Ready here. Ready in Maine. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then, and this one is on the Mashable UK uh, website. And uh, this is a story that we ran, I think we we ran last week, and it's regarding the Galaxy phones, Mm. the Samsung Galaxy phones. And the uh, headline on the site here, the Aviation Authority issues warning. I'm going to stop you there. After Galaxy Note 2 catches fire. I'm going to stop you there, because I was under the impression that Mashable was a joke website. No, 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 this one is true. It is genuinely, yeah, genuinely a true, true one. Are you sure yeah, yeah. about that? Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. It's just that I'm, I'm always... They, they, they normally post things like um, David Bowie found in local... Um, no, no, no. no, no. This <laughs> one's true. Are you sure? This right, one. Okay. This one's actually been on quite a few different news. Oh, all right, okay, uh, okay. News sites, oh, right. this one. I, I take it all back. <laughs> so, uh, so on Friday, this, this was... I think this was on the Aviation, Aviation Herald, actually. Well. Okay, Simon's good. Simon's great right. site over there. Um, but on Friday morning, another Samsung-related incident took place on board an aircraft, car- uh, aircraft uh, but uh, much to everyone's surprise, it wasn't a Galaxy Note 7. Uh, a Samsung Galaxy Note 2, released back in 2012, caught fire mid-air on an Indigo plane en route from Chennai to, uh, from Singapore. Uh, passengers note, uh, noticed smoke in the cabin, notified crew members who discovered it was coming from a Samsung Note 2 in an overhead locker and it was ex- extinguished by a fire extinguisher by the crew. Following the incident, the Aviation in- uh, in Authority in India issued a statement directing uh, to Samsung Note users to turn off your phones and leave them at home. Mm. Uh, the Directorate General of Civil Aviation in India advised flyers to use caution when on board the aircraft uh, with any Samsung Note devices. 
Uh, they should also keep these uh, devices switched off uh, or not travel with them at all. Mm. Uh, after reports of a battery explosion in the Galaxy Note 7, Samsung officially recalled the phones worldwide on September the 15th. Yep. And travellers were specifically urged by several Indian airlines not to turn on and charge devices while on board the aircraft mm. or pack phones in checked baggage. Though the Galaxy Note 2 incident has not been connected uh, to the exploding Note 7 devices, the DGCA... Uh, uh, plans to issue an advisory to all airlines and has summoned Samsung officials, according to the Hindu. Uh, now, if we go back, scroll back, there's a picture here, yep. uh, which Matt can pop up on the screen, of the said phone. There we go. It, there's uh, not a lot that, left of that, that, looks, that, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah I mean, that the battery <laughs> looks kind of uh, inflated there, mm. uh, I think yeah. you should say. Yeah. That, now, um, actually, I, I, can, yeah. I can vouch for the fact that, that there has been one... In, I've had one incident on my coach involving... Uh, mobile phones and batteries exploding. Really? Although on this occasion it happened to be um, one of the battery pack things where they were charging their phone up using the pack and the pack caught oh, fire. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually at Cabri World in Birmingham oh. at the time. And, uh, you know, and I was obviously desperately concerned about large sums of chocolate being destroyed in said fire, uh, <laughs> which obviously would be, would be the end of life as, as we know it. So, uh, yeah, I was quite, uh, yeah, quite worried about that, actually. It was, and I, I did, I, I, I sort of literally grabbed it and, and ran out of the coach with it and went and put it on a big concrete pad uh, where there was nothing near it. And it just merrily sat there and, and smouldered and smouldered. And then it did suddenly go bang. Um, which was, was was quite frightening, actually. So, yeah, I, I can fully understand. Because, um, I mean, if I'd have been bombing down the, the A14 at that time, when it, or the M6 or the A14, when it went exploded, you know, I mean, I don't know quite whether whether it had done damage to lockers or all sorts. So it really would, you know... Uh, Jim, be... Jim Sivia, well, wonderful friend Jim over there in the... Uh world of helicopters oh no he's uh, he's just said it never happens in helicopters we can all afford iphones oh now you see <laughs> <laughs> now let's just talk about this for a minute from a, from a technological yeah, far point away, of view. Mike. yeah because uh first of all this has little to do with samsung and far more to do with battery manufacturers yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, because because you never know who the uh, the battery mm. manufacturer is going to be, even within the same company. Yeah. And even uh, um, the iPhone, uh, Apple or Samsung or LG will buy the batteries from whatever company they're they're yeah. buying them from, and 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 buying them inexpensively. Mm. So it has to do with lithium-ion battery technology. The Note 2 is not related to the issue with the Galaxy 7, and it happens to be a one-off thing, the fact that they're banning the Note 2. There's really yeah. no reason for that. Yeah. It happened to be the battery in that one. The battery could have been replaced. Yeah. Could have been an aftermarket battery. And also, additionally, the issue that Matt had on the uh, coach mm -hmm. with the big battery charger, that could happen very regularly, especially yeah. if you buy those mm -hmm. cheap aftermarket ones because you never know what you're getting when you're buying a product. And that, and that is exactly what it was. Yeah. That make them. Yeah, that, that was exactly that are very, very good. And then mm. there's some very, very cheap ones, and you never know what you're getting, and they could explode at any time. Yeah. So um, I, I'm glad that we reported on this. Uh, but the Note 2, I think it's a one-off. You yeah. know, they're banning it because they're afraid because they heard about the Galaxy 7, but yeah. I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Now, no. Steph, you're you're an iPhone girl, aren't you? You've uh, you're very much on. I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you don't. Have and we like trouble. you despite that. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, thank you. No, no, no. I mean, so I've never had a problem with obviously mm. the battery on the iPhone. Mm. I did, however, one time have a problem with one of their um, connector cables. Um, I remember, I forget what I was actually. I don't think I was charging the phone. I think I actually mm. just had it plugged into the USB in the back of the computer. Really. And it kind of fried the uh, end of the cable that would actually plug into the device. Like it, it turned all 
brown and oh, wow. it, it just looked like it had been singed yeah. a little oh, bit. Nice. So. Was it an Apple connector or was it an it aftermarket was. one? Nope, okay. it was an Apple. Yeah. Was yep. genuine I, took Apple it, one. I took it over to Apple and they went, huh. Oh, oh dear. Interesting. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay. Can you bring in your computer so we can look at your USB ports? Yeah, I was just... like, my 27-inch uh, Mac? Yeah, yeah. must I? Mac? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Must I? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I mean, it... But I did. I brought it in. They checked it out and everything checked out okay. Yeah. And I haven't had the issue since. So I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. what that was about. But I've, I've never had I don't a... leave things plugged in very much anymore. No, no, no. Just shorten the cable. Yeah, yeah, it could be, and of course, because sometimes things do just go wrong. I mean, there can be no fault with the manufacturer, and things just literally go wrong. I mean, that 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 can't be helped. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, look at the show, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever goes wrong on here, Mikey. You know. Right? <laughs> oh, thank. Well, that's that's a kiss of death if ever I heard one. Uh, just one. Uh, sorry. Uh, hello to Evan Shu. He's watching on Facebook in the chat room there, and also Liz Piper. Hello to you, uh, Ollie Pallet. Uh, he says uh, lithium-ion battery batteries. The Boeing seven eight seven ring any bells? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we, we could have said that, yeah, yeah. But we we don't because we're, we're Boeing lovers. Oh, are we? <laughs> are we? Since, since, since when will we? Nick's Boeing? not. Nick's not here. Oh right, uh, or Al. <laughs> Al's not in the chat room <laughs> either. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. So anyway, moving on to the yeah. next story. Yes, the next story. This, is, as usual, story number two always seems to be mine and something to do with Ryanair, which is always nice. Uh, Ryanair. This is, cabin... this is good news, though. Oh, is it good? Yeah. I hope so. Um, uh, Ryanair cabin crew. This is uh, sorry. Uh, this is on the Belfast Telegraph website, and I'm still very upset with Ryanair about them cancelling my 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 my, I know. my my route to Ireland. Dairy, anyway, yeah. the, the dairy. Uh, Ryanair cabin crew uh, recruitment day to be held in Belfast. Uh, Ryanair is hoping to attract new staff during uh, Belfast Recruitment Day in October. Crewlink, an official recruitment and training partner of Ryanair, has announced the recruitment drive to fill cabin crew positions will take place on the 13th of October. Crewlink's head of recruitment, Niall Gleeson, said that Crewlink are holding recruitment days throughout the UK this October with hundreds of positions available operating as cabin crew on Ryanair aircraft. With a competitive package on offer including a guaranteed three-year contract ooh, on successful completion of training five days on three days off rosters uh, a 1200 euro new joiner allowance staff travel rates at fun and adventure as uh, many of these selling points this is an amazing opportunity to get your wings and take to the sky with crewlink so register today those interesting in attending can register at the crewlink website which is crewlink.ie well, we covered this story not so long back to be mm. about recruiting i think it was jet two wasn't it recruiting uh, staff uh, up in Manchester for mm. uh, for their airline, but um, um, it's not. It's good to see. Obviously, they're doing this recruitment drive in in Ireland, aren't they? Yeah. So, do Crewlink actually just well? And as they're yeah. saying, dates throughout the UK now. Given that O'Leary is quite uh, openly saying that he's sort of planning to not do very much uh, involving the UK since we the whole bre- the, bro- Brexit. the whole Brexit thing. <laughs> uh, <coughs> cough and move on. Uh, it, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of interesting that they are still recruiting within the UK. You'd think they'd sort of keep it. In but you've got to remember as well that uh, Ryanair have still got a huge amount of aircraft on back order of, uh, of the new seven three seven Maxes, and they've right. also got some new Dash eight or the eight hundreds mm. coming as well. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were more likely to recruit uh, English-speaking European mm, um, yeah. you know, locations given the fact that they're part of the EU and things. I don't know. It's a bit of a funny one, really. Uh, yeah, but, uh, do, do Crewlink only do stuff for Ryanair or do they do, or do, they sure. do stuff for other people? Um, Pip would be the best one to ask about. Okay. I'm pretty sure that Crewlink, I think they, they're a lot, kind of a, like a, you know, a, a multi-airline right. promoting kind of company. I feel like I've heard their their name before not mm. just with Ryanair but I'm yeah. not certain 
with which companies. So. Yeah, it, well, it, as I said, they, they may be a company that, that, that they, they, they work for Ryanair, but they also work for, for you know other other people. Contract crew. Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, who's taking the next? Steph. This Steph. one is all yours. Excellent. Okay. Good. 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 So this one is from what the Insider dot com Business Insider, Insider UK. Okay, um, and the let me get back to the top of the screen so I can tell you the headline. While, while you're doing that, the that one thing, Mr. Neville Bound says hello. By the way, he's in Facebook chat. Oh, good. <laughs> anyway, right. sorry. Yes. So uh, it says the one thing travelers are doing wrong after they've booked a flight. Um, once you've booked a flight, you probably forget all about your reservation until it's time to check in. Frequent flyer and points expert Gilbert Ott, who provides people advice on flying for cheap and sometimes for free on the Air Miles site, God Save the Points, I've never heard of that one, uh, thinks you're making a huge mistake by not paying attention to your booking. People generally book, then they tuck their itinerary away, then the day they fly, they pull it back out again, the 29-year-old told Business Insider. I say, look out for those emails from the airline, actually read the things they send to you, and if you see anything you can, do, uh, can use to your advantage, do it. Airlines frequently make changes to flights in the lead-up to their departure, from the time and date they take off to the aircraft used for the flight. Passengers who ignore these changes are missing an opportunity to customize their flight schedule for free, and possibly to even get a complimentary seat upgrade, according to Ott. People are really bad at what I call gardening the reservation, which is to look for changes that they can use to their advantage, he told Business Insider. When an airline changes the schedule, which they do very often, you are generally entitled to some leeway. Uh, so there are a couple of ways that travelers can turn a schedule change into something positive. For example, if there's space on another flight, airlines will often allow passengers who say they are inconvenienced by the change to switch to an earlier or later flight for free. Um, clever flyers could also get a free upgrade this way by looking to see if there's an earlier or later flight with empty seats in business or first class available. Ott recommends doing this after you've booked, even if you don't have a schedule change, uh, to see if there are any vacant seats on your existing flight though your chances of getting bumped up to the class above will be considerably higher if you have air miles to bargain with. Travelers often believe that they're at the mercy of the airline they are flying with, and while that's true to some extent, after all, uh, they rely on the carrier to transport them from A to B. Ott uh, says that passengers can reclaim some control over the booking when unexpected changes are made. Even a change of aircraft can be enough to give passengers more pull with an airline. Uh, on a recent trip, he said he used a change of aircraft to adapt the destination of his flight connection for free. So he wanted to fly the Airbus A330, so I booked the or A380, excuse me. So I booked the A380 going both ways. Then the airline changed so uh, changed it so they didn't have the A380. He said, when he called the airline, he complained that the change of aircraft was unacceptable and was able to switch his flight connection uh, going through Munich on an Airbus A380 rather than Pisa, the original destination which required flying on a different plane. Anybody can do this. You might have to argue a little bit, but they'll give it to you eventually. Some people say, if it's not Boeing, I'm not going. Oh, <laughs> no, here we go. <laughs> it actually says that in the article, so I'm not. Uh, I can't believe that's actually happening. <laughs> there are some people who are very I can see why Matt picked this. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't blame me. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to lose feed, Steph. That's me. I have to give him something to do. <laughs> yeah, until one o'clock this morning. No, 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 I, I meant to say, Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. No, no, no. But going back, going back. Going back to the story, right. though, this I, I, I must admit, I mean, when I book stuff online, the flights and stuff like that, I, I generally don't tend to look back until probably a week before we mm. go, I suppose. Yeah, I think we're all a little bit guilty mm. of doing that, aren't we? But no, I mean, I've never had anything changed for me. Uh, luckily, I've, all the years I've been flying, I've never had a flight time change or, or uh, a cancellation or anything like that. Really? But, 
it's probably just luck, pure luck, I think. Yes, yeah, rather um, than anything else, yeah. Actually, the, the last flight I took, we kept getting emails that the flight, uh, uh, something about the flight had changed, and they kept changing the departure time, like five minutes ahead, five minutes back, five really? minutes ahead. Like nothing, I'm like, why do we even have to, why are you even telling us about that change yeah, that's absolutely. insignificant? Well, yeah, it's, it's such a small small change, it's, it's not going to make any difference to what time you arrive at the airport, is it, at the end of the day? No. No. Now, when I uh, when I flew to Farnborough, uh, as Nev will tell you, because I was in touch with him, he was picking me up at the airport a couple of times. They canceled the flight and they rescheduled the flight and they canceled the flight. They were so backed up with weather delays and uh, we weren't even sure if I was going to make it in. I kept getting emails telling me the wrong thing. And the other thing that I had done is whenever I fly great distances where it's going to be international, and sometimes even if it's uh, domestic, I always uh, try to book through uh, Cranky Concierge, who follows those things for me and takes care of it behind the scenes so I don't have to pay attention. It doesn't. Oh, uh, right. it, there's a fee for it, but it's not a huge fee, and it's incredible service, and he really helped me through with the uh, the Farnborough flight. Oh, right. Ah. Ah, yeah, Farnborough. Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> greetings in the... In the chat many room, many chances to reminisce about it. Yeah, well, of course, absolutely, as much as possible. We've got some more podcast royalty in the chat room. Ooh. Steve Vischer uh, from the Playing Crazy Down Under podcast is in the chat room. Uh, good morning, afternoon, evening. My, good I think night. It's evening. Another, another evening. day gone. Yeah. Good evening to you, Steve, and also uh, hello to Mark Porter as well. Mark Porter's joined us in the chat room Aww. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to think I'm going to uh, when we finish the show, I'm going to log into my BA account and just make sure that just make sure uh, everything's they okay. Yeah, anything yeah, for absolutely. our flights next month, but. Um, but yes, anyway, moving on to the next story, which is all yours, Micah. Airbus unveils new livery on second A350-1000 test aircraft. The second Airbus A350-1000 flight test aircraft, the first to be equipped with a full passenger cabin, was displayed on September 23rd, that was yesterday, in a new carbon fiber themed livery outside the manufacturer's paint shop in Toulouse, France. According to Airbus, the livery is inspired by the advanced composites technology incorporated in over 50% of the A350 XWB frame. Part of the aircraft certification campaign, Airbus will perform cabin and air systems tests on the uh, uh, where was a cabin and air systems tests on on the test 1000 versions. Along early long flights and route proving evaluations will get underway in 2017, Airbus said. The A350-1000 is the longest fuselage of the Airbus A350-XWB family and seats 366 passengers. And just on a side note, I happen to be listening to um, uh, Marcus's Omega Tau about uh, Airbus. And do you know that the uh, A350 is only seven feet shorter than the A340? Really? Uh, it, yeah, it's uh, very, very similar in size. It's it's unbelievable uh, and only on two engines. Um Anyway, as of August 30th, 195 A350-1000 aircraft are on order, and customers include Guadalupe Base Air, I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, Carabies, uh, Air Lease Corporation out of Los Angeles has nine on order, South Korea-based Asiana Airlines has 10, BA has 18, Hong Kong-based Cathay Pacific has 26, Etihad has 22, Japan Airlines 13, uh, LATAM uh, out of Chile has 14 on order, and launch customer, Qatar, 37. And then United has 35, and uh, Virgin Atlantic is gonna, has ordered eight of them. So uh, the A Airbus A380 is doing pretty well. And the other, th uh, A350 rather, the other thing that uh, I learned about the um, a350 through uh, through Omega Tau was that they're going to be experimenting with inkjet 
printing in terms of the paint scheme. They're working on that so that they can, I guess, basically glide them through an inkjet printer to be able to paint them oh, wow. based on the uh, fuselage. <laughs> it sounds fascinating. That's interesting. I just have this picture in my head of like an assembly line of planes going through like like a sheet of paper. That's all, yeah, exactly. Like, off exactly. we go. Do, do, do. Yes. Yeah. The, but uh, if they can develop that, can you imagine how much money they'd save? Because instead of having to, you know, you just basically program it in, boom, it happens as opposed to all the tape and paint and yeah. all the stuff that they do now. Mm. I mean, the, the A350-1000 is 74 meters long. That is... That that sounds. That I mean, sounds the, the quite picture big, that yeah. Matt put up on the screen now while you were doing the story there, Mike. It just looks phenomenally long. It's such a long aircraft. But uh, on the pit, the picture's not that great. The one that's on the news story here, because it, it looks when you look at the picture, it looks like the tail fin is really small <laughs> compared to the rest of the aircraft. Yeah, the but, camera angle wasn't yeah. the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad angle, but it's a beautiful airplane. It, oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's my it's my favorite looking aircraft of all the uh, the Airbus aircraft. It's just amazing, and when when we saw it in person, it was just uh, just unbelievable. Yeah, you, I haven't had a chance to see this face to face yet. The aircraft itself, because it had left Farnborough by the time we mm. got there. But um, yes. yeah, I don't know why mm. they had it leave no. so soon. It was like you didn't want to show this to everyone. I guess not. No, no apparently not. It's a bit selective about about who who they said. A couple of people in the chat room on Facebook would like to say hello to. Obviously, we've got Ray Davis. He's there. Hello, Ray Davis. Obviously, Steve Fisher, as uh, Carlos said yep. a moment ago. Uh, Kathy Mexted, bless her. She's Kathy. joined. Uh, she's joined us via Facebook One of our, Live our previous as guests, well. Yeah. And Daniel Pearson, welcome to to you in the chat room as hello. well. Hello, hello. And being that Steve Fisher's there, I, I need to say to him because we don't communicate that often. Now that you hear my voice, we really, really. Miss you as listeners to oh, the yeah. airplane geeks. Yeah, we all second that. There. Second that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We all agree. Yeah. Uh, Daniel was just saying he flew up and back to Tamworth today. Nice day flying. It's very nice outside. It is today. a lovely day. Very absolutely. good. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. But no, love the A350. I'm going to have to get a chance to fly yeah. in that uh, probably next year. Uh, Kathy, to, Kathy's signing off to go back to the bar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodbye, Kathy. How rude. <laughs> anyway, fair enough. Yeah. Priorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite priorities. right, quite right. And, and I, none of us would be uh, any different, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to the next story. And uh, this one is on the Mail Online or the DailyMail.co.uk website. And the headline is a rather interesting story, this one, Matt. This uh Airline announces the world's shortest international flight oh, no. with the 13-mile journey that takes eight minutes. Wow. That, now, that does sound like a flight I could definitely handle. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. So an Austrian airline uh, is claiming to have launched the world's shortest international flight, taking just eight minutes. The quick trip uh, being sold by People's Vienna Line takes passengers from St. Gallien in, I uh, hope I pronounced that right, St. Gallen, in Switzerland, uh, to Friedrichshafen in Germany. Uh, tickets for the 13-mile journey, which will operate twice daily from November the 2nd, will cost £34 or 30, uh, 40 euros. Uh, at present, people travelling between the two countries uh, partitioned by a lake uh, Constance can drive the 47 miles which takes around an hour there's also a ferry service available but it is longer again with times uh, starting from around one hour and 20 minutes mm. the 50 seater Embraer 145 aircraft will be used for the new route which will run 10 times a week uh, the idea behind the flight is used as a feeder flight to connect with other airlines uh, Friedrichshafen Cologne route according to the People's Vienna Line CEO Daniel Stefan 
However, passengers can also disembark at Friedrichshafen at the eight-minute flight from St. Gallen. Previously, the route between the Austrian capital of Vienna and the Slovak capital of Bratislava were the shortest international schedule. However, the ten-minute trip is no longer operational anymore. Uh, the world's shortest domestic flight is currently the mile-long journey from Westray to Papa Westray in Scotland's Orkney Islands, which can take as little as 47 seconds, depending on wind direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bidding war over the route. A bidding war over the route was settled in 2013, with a contract being awarded to Scottish airline Logan Air, its current operator. Uh, meanwhile, the record for the longest flight goes to Emirates, which runs ah, a yes. 17-hour, 20-minute shelp from Auckland, uh, New Zealand, to Dubai, Lovely. UAE. So there we go. The shortest flight there. Um, I mean, I, I suppose it's not bad for, I don't know, 34 quid? Well, I mean, I guess it makes more sense. I was wondering first, I'm like, why? I mean, there, I know that's an hour drive, but there's got to be some reason for the demand for a 13-mile, 8-minute flight. And I guess if they're using it as a feeder flight for connecting to the main route of the airline, that makes a whole lot more sense. Because um, otherwise it's... But even still, it's like you can't drive an hour to get to the airport. I well, I, I suppose it's just like... They can't be making money, surely. But it's the, I mean, fa- it's the if, ferry, isn't it? The ferry takes so long. I think that's the issue, isn't it? That's the only other way to get from... But you think they're charging 34 quid a seat mm. for, um, one way I presume for this for this flight and the and the uh, the Embraer I think is probably around 60 70 passengers Steph the the smaller the E145 yeah it's 50 seats is it 50, on this particular 50 yep. seat there you go 50 seats so I mean it can't be making that much money you know once you've powered up and you know and and stuff well, and run I the think, engines I think, and I, to fuel be honest, and I think you'd be pleasantly surprised I, you yeah. know I wonder. Uh, what, I wonder whether they run a service on there for drinks at all, because that'd have to be a fairly um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just throw it at you. You're you not know. kidding. Yeah. I wonder about that uh, that 47 second flight up in Scotland. You know, your your takeoff run is longer than the flight itself. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Oh, and, you uh, see? and they list the other short flights. Uh, you know, the five shortest flights in there, and one of them is from in Toronto, from Billy Bishop Airport to Niagara Falls. It's 12 minutes. I wonder if our listener Liz has ever taken that one. Can you imagine a 12-minute flight just right across Niagara to Niagara Falls? I think that would be fun. Yeah, yeah that would oh, yeah. be fun. That sounds that sounds more reasonable, though, You because know, that's part of your... Yeah, I'm sure people are doing that for tourist reasons and yeah. vacation. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and you can charge a bit more, can't you? But it's, you know, if you're going to try and make it a, a, a service that, that makes money, I mean, it, it does seem quite difficult to do, doesn't it? Yeah, it just it just seems true. so, but I mean the the whole boarding process takes longer than yeah, the boarding process yeah, takes yeah, longer yeah. than the flight. Yeah. I wonder if they have well, to be at the airport know, an hour beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean sometimes that comes into com- uh, to consideration when I want to go somewhere, you know, because yeah. uh, you know here in the U.S., just you know, to get from point A to point B, often there's either a very long drive or a short flight. Um, but sometimes if you factor in getting to the airport, parking your car, going through security, getting on the plane, going wherever you're going. It takes almost just as long for some distances if you were to just get in your car and go and mm, be there yeah. as it would to go to the airport and fly there. Yeah. So, yeah, and that with you know, gasoline here in the U.S. is much less expensive than mm-hmm. uh, the petrol over in the U.K. So it's much cheaper for me to drive to New York or Washington D.C. than it would be for me to fly, and it takes yeah. less time. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, the one I was thinking of is Atlanta. So it's about a three and a half hour drive, or I could drive to the airport for a you know forty minute flight, but I have to be there an hour before. Mm. You know, so it's going to come out as a wash almost. 
So. Uh, just sorry, interrupting. Uh, hello to Fabian Bear, who's also in the chat room on Facebook. Oh, I think, greetings to you. Yeah, I think Fabian was uh, the the uh, the Schiphol meetup. He was, yeah, the yeah, Schiphol meetup. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. So, so next story moving on is for Matt. Oh, there is it? Oh, you mean I've got to read a story? Yeah, I've got to read a story <laughs> <You've> again. <laughs> People have no idea how many buttons I've just been pressing trying to do something. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh, EasyJet. Ooh, that's all right. Uh, for those for those of you those of you who care, I've managed to actually separate. I've, I, I'm afraid I've separated you two now. Uh, my, my <laughs> Micro and Steph have been separated when it when it comes oh. to video feeds now. So it's actually, I I would have noticed that if I looked down at the uh, iPad with Facebook. Yeah, you see, see, yes, yes. I, 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 while you lot are reading stories, I'm frantically pressing buttons here, tweaking things, making things Im- improving. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read a story now. Uh, this is actually about the other low cost airline here in the UK. This is on the Mail Online website, and the headline is: EasyJet are in talks to buy German airline to make sure they can keep flying in Europe after Brexit. Ooh. Now that's um, that's interesting. Uh, any excuse for Brexit to be mentioned, I think, seems to be the way forward as far as airlines are concerned. Budget airline EasyJet are in talks to buy a German carrier to make sure they can keep flying in Europe after Brexit. It has been reported. Uh, talks have been going on uh, for some time, according to Martin Locher, an employee representative on German-owned two TUI flies at supervis- supervisory board. A TUI is that Tom? Something to do with Tom's cooking? Yeah, it? it's that's part of um, Thompson. Isn't it? Part yeah, of Thompson, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes, so it's uh, speculation is already uh, rampant after German Business Weekly manager magazine on Thursday said EasyJet were eyeing TUI fly as it seeks ways to keep flying freely within Europe. With the European Union following Britain's decision to quit the bloc. Uh, however, the German company on Friday sent a letter to its employees denying any plans for a takeover by the British low-cost carrier. A cooperation with EasyJet or, or its uh, participation in TUI fly is neither being prepared nor sought after, said the letter. The speculation uh, in Manager magazine uh, and in the market, and in the market is unfolded. TUI Fly Chairman Henrik Homan uh, and Managing Director Jochen Bootgen. Thanks for this, Carlos. Uh, stressed in their letter, uh, a second European carrier could be interested in a stake in German charter airline, a TUI Fly Labour representative said on Friday. Uh, there's another European airline to whom TUI Fly could be sold, Martin Locker has said. He declined to name the airline, but said it was a non-EU carrier. He also said it was not clear if talks with EasyJet were continuing. EasyJet Chief Executive Carolyn McCall had ruled out takeovers just a few months ago manager magazine reported but has had apparently changed their her mind following the brexit vote acquiring a, an airline like tui fly could uh, allow easyjet to secure a foothold in the eu as an eu member british airlines have until now been covered by the eu single european sky system which lifts trade restrictions on airlines with their headquarters inside the 28 member union tui fly has 41 planes 14 of which are currently operated by loss making air berlin both locker and andreas uh, um, andreas Bach- I want to say Bark Zex, we I don't know. Anyway, we'll say Locker and Andreas, a member of the TUI group and TUI Flies uh, Supervisory Board, said that any sale to TUI Fly against the wishes of employees and unions would be resisted. Along with TUI Fly, 
The TUI group also includes airlines Thomson Airways, TUI yeah. Fly, uh, Nordic, um, Arc Fly, and Jet Air Fly. TUI said that it's targeting 50 million euros, that's 43.36 pounds sterling, in operational improvements as it, uh, at its airlines by 2018-19 financial year. I mean, TUI are a huge company here, and they're just saying in the chat room in the mm. uh, in Europe, you know, they obviously have Thomson and stuff in their part of their thing. Mm. I'd be surprised if they um, sort of if TUI uh, or if TUI sort of got rid of the TUI fly part of their group to mm. to EasyJet. But I mean, it would be a huge, it would be quite an uh, extensive um, airline if they did. I mean, TUI fly on their own have got forty destinations in mm. the, in the book as such, on top of what EasyJet have already got, which is quite a big. Um, Wow. You know, base. So, yeah. yeah, interesting story, that. Certainly is. So uh, let me ask a question about that, because I'm not sure if I heard it correctly. Does this, I mean, if you break it down, was this basically EasyJet kind of taking a hedge against Brexit and uh, making sure that they'll be able to uh, have the uh, continue within the EU, depending on what the EU rules after Brexit? Yeah, I think that's probably what they're trying to do, Mike, is, you know, is try and keep within the EU by basing their self, well, still in the EU. Uh, to be honest, uh, Mike, my only concern about any of this is we just don't know what effect leaving Brexit is going to have here in the UK. Not yet. Uh, and I, I can quite honestly... I, I think what's going to happen is that there are going to be, um, you know, there's always talk about trade agreements not being made and all that kind of thing, but I, the people are still going to want to trade with us, and I can't see any reason why the airspace still can't be part of the European... You know, network because we are still a member of you. We're still part of Europe. We're just not part of the the, the trade agreements and things like that. So mm. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, th I think uh, this is this is too soon for any kind of speculation because Article 50 hasn't even been triggered yet, and it's going to be at least two years from when yeah. our government here in the UK triggers Article 50. So um, I don't know. it's all a bit shoot, shooting. You know, it's all a bit sort of shooting the gun a bit early. You know. Another thing to point out as well. Between the uh, between the two airlines, it's just something that we, we notice on the uh, show quite a bit with different airlines. That TUI Fly uh, are an all Boeing uh, fleet, and EasyJet obviously are an all Airbus fleet. Right. Yeah. So okay. it's two different. Yeah. Yeah. Two very different. Um, two very different things. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. So moving on to the next story, and this one is yours, Steph. I think it's me. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this one is on the independent.co.uk website, and the headline is Italian lawyer sues Emirates Airline for having to sit next to obese man for nine hours. Hey, uh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> no need for that at all. Well, let's, let's get through the story, and then okay. we can debate. I'm all glad right. you guys can <laughs> Sorry, that sorry, sorry. <laughs> so a man is suing Emirates Airline uh, after having to sit next to an overweight passenger during a nine-hour flight. Giorgio Destro from Padua in northern Italy said that after he settled into his seat next to the window, he was, quote, amazed when the overweight man uh, took the seat next to him. He said he asked to be moved but could not be reseated as the aircraft was fully booked. Mr. Destro claims he suffered for the duration of the flight from Cape Town to Dubai and was so uncomfortable he could not even use his seat for most of the journey. According to the Italian website uh, Matino, Mr. Destro said, Ultimately, for nine hours, I had to stand in the aisle, sit on the seats reserved for the air crew when they were free, and in the final phase of the flight, resign myself to suffer the spillover, his word, oh, of nice. the passenger at my side. <laughs> he tweeted a photograph of himself sitting next to his unwanted travel companion, who he said listened to music, watched films, and slept. And there's a photo there that's 
interesting. Okay. Um, Mr. Destro, who oh, is hello. a lawyer and used oh. to work. <laughs> yeah, we'll sorry, we're, we're just popping that up on the on on the uh, on the. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that now. If not, independent.co.uk, and then just search for Mansu's Emirates, and you'll see this picture. If you are watching on the audio version of this thing, but uh, as I say, if you're watching on YouTube now, there's the uh, interesting choice of picture. Um, he looks very comfortable. It has to be said, very very comfortable indeed. Is he? Yes. <laughs> so maybe finishing out the article here, Mr. Destro, who is a lawyer and used to work with the Italian consulate in Cape Town, is now suing the airline. He claims that after landing, he immediately contacted Emirates, who he said eventually replied, but offered no apology or any kind of compensation. He's asking for a total of 2,759 euros in compensation for the flight, including 759 euros as a refund for the ticket and a further 2,000 in damages. Damages? Um, the hearing has been scheduled. He didn't sit on him. What, is he, what, do, what does he want damages? <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's all. Just lawyer ease yeah, yeah hearing okay. has been scheduled for 20th october in padua and they contacted emirates for comment but i don't see any comments from no, emirates no indeed uh, it's uh, now, now carlos has spotted something here and i'm going to throw well, this well, out to our two it's, guests uh, it's just something i just noticed i mean uh, i'm, I'm going to throw this out to our two guests if you look at the picture because hopefully you've, have you both got the story in front obviously um, the story Stepan, in front of you yeah. but michael have you got the picture in front of you I, I did, yes. yes. No, okay. Now, um, if you look at the picture of the aeroplane, can somebody uh, spot the obvious, uh, and Mr. Neville Bounds is going to love this, the obvious error that the independent... <laughs> no, no, the story, no, let's get this right. the story yeah. was focusing on a passenger aircraft. Yes, yes, and what's the I'm problem just, there with I that I don't know, picture? it's just something about this particular aircraft they're using on the photograph for this story. Which just doesn't sit right, just and I'm, I just can't put my you finger on it. You mean the sky cargo aircraft? <laughs> that that would be the one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they haven't even bothered to check whether they've literally oh, just seen a pic. Dear. They found a picture with Emirates airplane on it, yeah, and they're going, and "That will do on, for yeah. our, you know." But that's the embarrassing thing is this has been printed in the newspaper here in the UK. Oh. That's very. Disgusting. I mean, perhaps yeah. they were sitting in the in the crew compartment just behind the uh, the flight deck on here because <laughs> right, there is a there is a little compartment there for the for some yeah. The what is that? The three windows I can. See. Yeah, the three right. Windows, okay, yeah. just one. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, yeah. obviously, we we know we all know that's a seven four seven dash four hundred cargo conversion. Do, do we? But, okay, um, right. Okay, but anyway, moving back to the story. <laughs> moving back to the story. Well, well, um, if you want to also go on to in terms of how they reported it, they didn't say what type of aircraft it was, which is kind right. of interesting. They're showing an Emirates seven forty seven cargo aircraft on top, mm -hmm. and at the bottom, they're showing a picture of the crashed Emirates triple seven. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> good. That, that has nothing to do with this. No, I, I think I think they've mentioned it. To, you know, they, they haven't mentioned the actual aircraft because they've no idea which one it is, judging by the photos that but they've the chosen. But the, so. uh, the photo that this chap's tweeted on air with him sitting next to mm. this guy here, I mean, yeah, he is kind of being slightly squished. He's being cuddled. Mm -hmm. I think, as, yeah. you know, he's, he's going to certainly be very warm. It's a comfy, <laughs> comfy uh, position. There's no doubt about that. I don't yeah. know about yes. that. Anyway, yes. Uh, as, uh, it's, uh, any, any thoughts on this particular story then, guys? Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's it's tricky no matter which side you're going to yes. align yourself on there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of factors that I think go into it, the least of which is, uh, you know, airlines have kind of been shrinking seat sizes. So, yeah. mm. you know, where this may not have been a problem in the past, it's becoming more and more of a problem. Mm. And um, especially here in the United States, um, our waistlines are getting larger. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's just, just fact how things are these yeah, yeah. days. And it's... Uh, some people really don't appreciate having their personal space encroached upon. In, in, no. But if you're going to book yourself on an airline flight mm. with however many hundred other people, even if it's a nine-hour flight, I appreciate that's a very long time to have to 
sit yeah. very close to someone else, you know, who may be encroaching on your personal space, you have to know that there's going to be people of all shapes, sizes, backgrounds, and it's just a, it's a total dice roll as to who you're going to sit next to. It's a hard one, so. isn't it? It's, it's, some, you, it's, yeah. try, it's trying to find that, that happy balance. And I mean, from, from my, one, of the, one of the things that I used to struggle with, because I mean, as a lot of people know, I was an awful lot bigger than I am now. And I, I, I used to have to ask for like the seatbelt extension uh, and things like that. And I was always very, very... But I, I was sort of sitting the other way because I used to feel really bad about the fact that... And I was trying to take up as little space as humanly possible, even though... Yeah, but you're a I, nice chap. Uh, even though... Well, but uh, like, like cramp. I would get cramp rather than actually encroach in someone else's space if I could at all to manage it and, and I, I, I do feel certainly from that picture that he tweeted um, that um, perhaps this gentleman didn't have the same common sense and or courtesy to, uh, to sort of try and keep himself you know because you can sort of tuck yourself in a bit you know or you have to be a little bit uncomfortable but you know well, sometimes even are. just you know saying I'm you know I appreciate this is uncomfortable and I'm mm. sorry I'm not real happy about it either yeah. there's not a lot of space here maybe that would have done a lot to kind of break the ice to there. break the ice and maybe sort of, not sort of, I don't yeah. know but yeah, maybe there's nothing that could have been done. Well, and there there are rules that uh, airlines have about what they call passengers of size uh, in terms of whether a person can fit into a seat or not or has to buy a a second seat. I've yeah. uh, uh, seen and uh, seen some things about that on on TV, uh, and uh, and there are certain, there are even rules about. Uh, about uh, drunkenness in mm. terms of whether you're going to be seated at all or uh, or uh, certain air about you if you happen to have uh, some hygiene issues yes. uh, and whether you get on the aircraft or not. Um, I'm also, you know, a, a larger man and I always feel terrible if I... Uh, um, if I'm sitting next to someone and it's a really tight space or it's mm. a, a bad situation and uh, and typically apologize and let the person know, that, you know, if I need to move, please tell me and I'll do the best that I can. I know that I may not be the person that they would want to uh, sit next to and try to take advantage of that. The picture that he tweeted, if you look at it, yeah, he looks very, very tight, but you don't know how staged that is either. You know, yeah. how much room yeah. does he have to his right? Probably not a lot, but probably a little more than what mm. there is in the picture as well. Well, it says, you know, I think they said he was sitting in the window seat, so... There's probably a little bit of room. Oh, hello, hello. Him to cheat. Yeah. Hello. Oh, hang on a hello. second. Sorry, we 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 just we just lost the feed there very briefly. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Skype I think we're back funny. now. Is everybody back now? Steph? Are we back? Yes, oh, yeah, we, we are. are. Yes, we yeah, are. There. there we are. Oh, nobody panic. Went a bit, went a bit glitchy there. <laughs> right, okay. we'll, we'll move on to... Yes, before we end up uh, being sued being by, sued by Emirates, Emirates or something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, the paper should be done. Yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, Micah, this one's for you, this, uh, this next story. Speaking of where you want to sit... Oh. The airline, <laughs> this airline, wants to charge families for sitting together, and that's a bad headline when you read, uh, mm. when you read the rest of the story, but... Because who doesn't love sitting next to strangers on the plane? It's no secret that airlines love fees. After all, they raked in more than $40 billion in ancillary revenue last year. A big part of keeping that money, uh, keeping that money coming is finding new ways to make travelers pay for various elements of travel, uh, of travel experience, legroom, beverages, and so on. And that, just, uh, that used to be just... Uh, that used to, boy, this is really poorly written. <laughs> that used to just be part of the ticket price. At one airline, that's going to include being able to sit next to your kid. In an interview this week with travel website Skift, Embert CEO Tim Clark discussed the competitive pricing pressures airlines face and said, quote, 
We're having to look and see whether we can extract more value through the ancillary revenue stream. Ancillary. I hate that word. Ancillary. <laughs> For instance, Clark said, you may go after seat. We may uh, you may go after seat selection. We have a lot of families and groups traveling, and they all want to sit together. They are basically prepared to pay more to get peace of mind. He added that groups of friends traveling might also accept this kind of fee. They want to be together. They're willing to pay for it. He said. Although Clark just floated this as a hypothetical, an Emirates spokesperson confirmed via email that the carrier will be implementing a minimal charge for flyers booking special or saver class economy seats and who want to select their seats starting October 3rd. The airline does note children below the age of two and accompanying passengers on the same booking will be exempted from the fee, although, of course, you don't have to buy a separate seat for a kid under two anyway. So parents decide how much peace of mind is, wor is worth to you. If you don't want your toddler sitting next to that guy who's been pounding drinks at the airport bar to kill time during his layover, pay up or set your alarm clock for precisely 48 hours before he departs your time when online check-in opens and hope you beat all the other parents to any blocks of adjacent seats that have already been assigned. And that's the story. So there we go. I mean, I mean it's, when you book a flight, I mean, you know a lot of airlines, especially in the UK, you don't get assigned your seat straight away. So you... You have to wait mm. with BA, which I've found because we're flying with BA next month. Or, you know, I've, or I've pre-booked the tickets, but you can't actually check in online until 24 hours before Beforehand, you fly. Yeah. Mm. Um, you can. Oh, to pick your seat. Yeah, you yeah. can. You really? can. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can. You can pay to pre-book your seat now yeah, yeah. Uh, before the, the actual before you actually fly. But if you want to choose your seat free of charge. Then you've got to wait 24 hours before your flight is, uh, is actually leaving, and they will yeah. allow you to log in and uh, choose your f uh, seat free of charge. Mm. It's yeah, the so same what, with many carriers in the U.S. Mm. I mean, Southwest does that. If you don't, you know, pre-book your no Southwest South, does you, not you do that. You don't get a seat assignment at all on Southwest, right. which is actually kind of that. kind of nice. Like going back to the previous story too. Um, what I found, and I fly Southwest frequently because they go to one particular destination that I go to mm. in and out of all the time in Chicago. And um, so what I've learned to do is I'll check in for my flight and I'll try and make sure I do it as soon as those, you know, 24 hours in advance, you can check in. And usually that puts me kind of somewhere in the middle of the pack for boarding because they give you a number and that number tells you when you can get on the plane. So you basically just board in number order. Um, but if you're kind of in the middle of the pack, a lot of people have already gotten on the plane and you can kind of pick your seatmate. So if mm. you look around and go, mm, yeah, I'll sit yeah, next like to one. those people over there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He looks <laughs> like look he doesn't of, smell, that sort of thing. They yeah. look quiet. Yes, They're not going to yes. talk. Yeah, you know, there's no child see. next door or something like that. Yes, you know, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of a nice thing in some ways. But, it, you know, if you're if for some reason you're busy or you forget to check in or mm. you're, you know, running late for the, the flight and you can't board when you're suppo supposed to board yeah. and you're the last person on the plane, you don't have an assigned seat. You get to sit in that middle seat that's available wherever yeah. that is. You see, and if I were Emirates, I would do it slightly differently. I would, uh, and this is going to cause a lot of controversy, Ooh. but I would create a <laughs> family or children's section. And if you don't want to sit in there, you have to pay more to get out of it. And then that way, <laughs> I, I think it would be quieter. I think it would be easier and, 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 and much and more families can all pleasant. sit together. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, exactly. I do. I do uh, that we have run sort of stories in the past, actually, that have genuinely really disturbed me in the fact that some families are actually being split up because of the seating arrangement, because they've not been able to book their ticket, their, their seats in advance. And so you sometimes have like two seats together or, or like you end up, I think the wor- worst, one of the stories we, we carried, they, they'd been allocated three separate seats in different parts of the aeroplane uh, because they'd booked quite late and so they pushed everyone sort of together. And so there wasn't even like a mum able to sit next to the, the, the child because the child was old enough that they had to have their own seat but um, you know, and, and not not young enough that they could sit on the person's lap, etc. And it was just like, and and that that I, I don't like. I think that's very irresponsible of the airline, if you see what I mean. But then I suppose the airline well, don't know that information necessarily when when you're booking the seat because all you really do, right. although you do have to put ages in, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's even more controversy with what you said there because you said, you know, there are some uh, children that are old enough, they have to book their own seat. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue because a children that's not in a seat that's strapped in mm-hmm. is a projectile and it's not safe. Right. And uh, I think I don't care how old the child is. A child needs to be in a car seat or whatever that's strapped in or a bassinet or whatever it happens yeah. to be but the child needs to have a seat i don't care how old they are well you're not allowed to do it in a car are you certainly here in the uk you're not allowed to, yeah. to you're not allowed right. to have a, a baby sat on your your lap they do recommend that i, I suppose obviously if you're coming out of the hospital for the first time etc but you know i you know i think i'm actually with michael on this one i think they, mm. they ought to have a, a child seat like uh, like you do in a car you know, I mean, there is an issue, mm-hmm. I suppose, because you've only got a lap belt as opposed to a three-point seat belt in an aeroplane. Um, but you can get seat, seat, child seats that are sort of lap belt friendly, can't you? So, yeah, mean, you can. There and are. they could certainly make something that, you know, all right, the airline's got to have, have that facility available to them. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a very good idea, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, so moving I on agree yeah. to the next story, and this one is on the GOTV website. And uh, the headline, Satellite Tracking Could Prevent Airliner Disappearances. Uh, two U.S. companies have developed an airline tracking system that they say will prevent airli- uh, planes disappearing in the manner of the Malaysian Airlines MH370. Hmm. Instead of sending tracking signals to the ground stations, which means planes' locations can be lost over oceans or remote areas, the new system would beam them to satellites. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're flying over the ocean, desert, or North Pole. We'll know where the aircraft is, says Daniel Baker, CEO of FlightAware. The internet flight tracking service, which is working with Aerion LLC, which has uh, developed the satellite technology. Aerion's system will place ADSB automatic dependent surveillance broadcast receivers on low-orbit satellites operated by Iridium Communications, Incorporated and is due to be operational from 2018. The system, will initially con- uh, initi- uh, the system was initially conceived to help air traffic controllers uh, route planes more efficiently. The new tracking system called Global Beacon will make the location data from the space-based receivers available to airlines so that they can track their aircraft in near real time on web-based tool. Mm-hmm. After the disappearance of MH370 back in March 2014, regulators and airlines were criticised for responding too slowly to French tracking recommendations after the crash of the Air France plane in 20, uh, 2009. Uh, the International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, uh, plans to impose a 15-minute standard for normal flight tracking, or more frequently in the case of emergency, by November 2018. 
FlightAware said it would reveal the first airline customer for the product next week to coincide with an ICAO meeting in Montreal. We only reached out a few of our, uh, to a few of our dozen airline customers to discuss the opportunity, and although we are all interested in using our space-based ADSB data, only one could hit the tight uh, timeline for our announcement, Baker told Reuters. I think this would be a, uh, an awesome idea if this um, if this all comes you know comes mm. out and works. Obviously, it's going to be a cost uh, imposed for the uh, for the airlines to fit the um, I think to fit the systems and stuff on board mm. the aircraft. We'll have the um, ground-based systems installed. But uh, what a brilliant idea for sure. What do you reckon, guys? Well, I um, think there are there will yeah, be some ahead, costs involved in in terms of the installation of the uh, the, the tracking or the, the satellite feed but i have a feeling there's also going to be costs involved that the airlines are going to have to pay iridium uh in order to be able to be tracked so the airlines mm -hmm. are going to have to determine if they want it or not is my guess i have a feeling it's going to be two sets of costs yeah i mean perhaps they're gonna got karen steph no i was just thinking you know it sounds it's just with all of the technology we have available to us in the world mm. these days this seems like it's a little bit slow in making its way to yeah, the forefront. Why isn't it already happening? I mean, I, I can't exactly. believe uh, that it ha wasn't happening five years ago. I'm amazed it didn't happen. Um, using 9-11 as an example, I'm amazed that wasn't the catalyst, if you like, for being mm -hmm. able to know exactly where all aircraft are at all times. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, on another note, and, uh, and, and just, you know, to question it, it you know, MH370, it happened. It, it does that kind of thing doesn't happen too often. And what was it? Air France uh, 440. It happened. We found everything, and but it doesn't happen too often. It's an incredible expense to install something like this and create a system for something that's doesn't happen very often. And we're pretty well in touch with where aircraft are and what's going on most mm. of the time. Yeah, that's so true. to uh, you know we're dealing with with a minority of cases here, and and and, and you know that happen to be very sensational. So we're coming up with very expensive fixes for individual sensational cases. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I think with the amount all these satellites mm -hmm. we've got in the uh, in the in space now, we've got so many communication satellites and stuff. You know, I would imagine that pretty much the entire world is covered by some kind of um, satellite receiving mm. and transmitting. You know, type of thing. Yeah, so I, I mean, agree. I, I agree. Know, I, yeah, I hope this does I, come. You know, come to fruition anyway. Well, I guess going along with what I was saying, the other thing that I'm surprised about is that there would be that much expense associated with it because. Uh, it just seems like something that shouldn't have to cost that much. But yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong about that. No, very true, Steph. Yeah. So moving on to the next story. This one is for Matt. Okay. Yes. And I've just lost the story. Have you? Okay. Good. Absolutely. I'm really oh, pleased about that. Well done. Oh. Uh, what was the story? Uh, <laughs> there we go. There we it's go. Back. All right. Okay. Yes. So uh, the headline. Uh, this is on the Mirror. .co.uk website and the headline the headline is uh, that uh, airline bans holidaymakers from flying home to UK after aggressive outbound really we really? haven't had one of these stories no, for a no while. we haven't had this for a little while so uh, yes yeah, so it's, as i say it's um, sorry i'm just having a minor issue with the fact that I can't, uh, I'm just waiting for it to catch up one moment. Uh, so fellow passengers report that the cabin crew uh, had had to take away the vodka when uh, the group became disruptive and I dare say that helped their mood no end. I'm sure they were very, very uh, grateful that that was done. Six holidaymakers who became aggressive on their outbound flight to Tenerife have been told they are banned from returning to the UK with the same airline. Ouch. The group were sipping illicit alcohol on the jet, oh jet 2, oh no poor jet 2 again. Jet two again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
uh, on Saturday. You know, I think we only said last week that they've gone a bit quiet on the Jet 2 front uh, mm. on Saturday. And the airline says that, ex- exhibit- that they exhibited unacceptable behaviour on the flight, which left uh, from Newcastle. Now three of the passengers involved have been hit with a 12-month ban from the airline, with three more of the group being told that they will not be able to use their return home ticket. Mm. One shocked passenger said about half an hour, an hour and a half uh, into the flight, we heard a huge commotion uh, by the back of the plane and we noticed that these people uh, were really, really drunk. The stewardess had had to take away the vodka, but by the end of the flight, they had to close the bar and the captain had to turn the seatbelt sights <coughs> sight. Sorry, the seatbelt signs on. Uh, when we landed, we had to sit for 20 minutes until the local police uh, took the people away. Uh, in 2015, there were 386 reported incidents of air rage. Another passenger who witnessed the incident added it was really scary. People around them had to write statements for the airline. People in the area that told them to pipe down uh, all got uh, it all got proper verbal and they got proper verbal abuse. The pilot uh, came on uh, really calm. Uh, the pilot came on really to calm everyone down because uh, we were all very very anxious uh, this year the airline has banned 22 passengers for life a uh, jet 2 spokesman confirmed three passengers have been issued with 12-month bans and three others would not be allowed to fly home on the airline as a result of their behavior a uh, good on them actually i think it's a very good idea to punish the people there and then rather than just sort of like let them go home and think oh never mind we'll book we won't book with that airline ever yeah. ever again and I, I i suppose some people will perhaps disagree with me and say oh yeah but they're now stranded out there but and they shouldn't have misbehaved it, on the aircraft. This I'm is sorry. a problem, you know. We, we covered the story so many times with Jet 2 and, and, and a few other airlines, but it's, it's, it's Jet 2 quite a lot. Mm. I mean, it's a story we hear quite a lot in the UK uh, about uh, holiday makers obviously being naughty on aircraft uh, naughty due to indeed. alcohol. Yes. Is, this a, is this a problem that you Does get in the, the US? States? Yeah. yeah. I don't hear it as much. I mean, it's pretty rare that you hear stories about lots of passengers being banned from certain airlines. Mm. Is Jet 2 a, uh, a low-cost, mostly holiday aircraft yes, uh, a- airline? I, I, I've, yeah. I've never heard of them before, yeah. and I think that's uh, that's why uh, you get those stories on uh, on Jet 2 and, and I think sometimes Ryan because it's such a very low-cost airline. Yeah, yeah. Jet 2 are based uh, up north, Micah, uh, Manchester, the north end of sort of England or the UK. And, yeah, you're right. They are uh, predominantly a, a kind of a, um, a holiday destination airline. Um, we're packaged like the package holiday deals. A lot of families are traveling uh, to Tenerife and the Canary Islands uh, and sort of uh, the more, you know, the big holiday destinations in mm. Europe. So, yeah, you are right. Yeah, and the U.S. doesn't really have uh, anything like that. Uh, can you think of any airline like that stuff that's really a holiday I airline? Mean, not, I mean, there's airlines that kind of market themselves that way a little bit. Um, you know, like I'm thinking of, gosh, I can't even think of the airline names. Um, Sun Country and maybe even Allegiant a little bit, you know, where they have lots of packages going to places like Orlando for um, Disney World oh, and Disney whatnot. World, yeah. But, but mostly even family then, things as opposed to holiday are, things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and even then, there's such a people here. There's such a mix up of who gets on that plane anyway. Mm. It's not going to be exclusively people going on vacation or holiday. Or um, there's going to be a mix of people traveling for business and they wanted to take a cheap flight and it was convenient for them and yeah. you're, you're going to have a big mix of people no matter what airline you fly here mm. and I, I think also uh, 
what, what has got to be relevant is the fact that perhaps your relationship in the States with alcohol is perhaps a little bit more grown up than our own. Uh, I think that's a, I, think <laughs> I that, don't know about that. Well, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, no, well, also, I think it's well, you know, because you, officially uh, you're not supposed to, you're not really supposed to drink alcohol until 21. Is that correct in the States? Yes. That's yeah. Correct. See, as we're here, it's actually eighteen, isn't 18, it? Eighteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you do get a lot of lads who, the very nanosecond that they turn eighteen, they all go on a lads' holiday to to somewhere somewhere in Europe and <laughs> uh, and all this kind of thing. All you know, it's just there, there are issues there. I think with you know, we we don't have the best relationship with alcohol in the UK, well, really, do we? <laughs> and and there was also, at least at the time, and I don't know what it's like now. I know that uh, in, in in the UK there used to be. Uh, uh, holiday camp kind of things where or yes. sort of fun and excitement thing and wouldn't uh our holiday airlines along those same lines i mean i really don't know i'm not trying to mm. you know yeah uh, yeah it's, it's you're sort of thinking of like the like the butlins and the, and the pontins and that sort of thing i mean they, they they're sort of a more out of favor i think really mm. um now because uh, air, air travel is so much cheaper than it used to be. So people are, are more inclined now to jump on an aeroplane and go on holiday here in the UK because of the likes of Jet2, EasyJet and, and Ryanair has made air travel more affordable to everyone. You know, I mean, it's, you know, here in the UK you can fly to Ireland, return for sort of basically the equivalent of £80, 80 pounds sterling, which is, you know, very, very cheap here. Uh, in the UK, and it's certainly a lot cheaper than than going on, you know. But you can go to Tenerife and things for not much more than that, yeah. you know. Um, oh, we covered the story last mm. the other week, didn't we, about the uh, that Cypriot, that new Cypriot low cost mm. airline, yeah, yeah. Um, doing flights to Cyprus from the yeah. UK from Stansted for what was it? Was it for thirty nine? For forty quid, yeah, forty quid, yeah, forty pounds, sterling, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. ridiculous, really. Yeah, you mentioned no, I, you, you mentioned earlier, Steph, about you flying southwest quite a lot. Uh, are, are the uh, cabin crew as jovial as and happy as we see on the YouTube videos? Uh, they, they really are. Although I think it's become less and less over time. It, it used to be every time I took a Southwest flight, you know, it would end with a song or you get a funny passenger safety briefing announcement. It, it still happens quite a bit. Because you see the guy rapping, as one with the guy rapping the uh, safety uh -huh. briefing. I, I just find it brilliant. I was on a flight with them one time, and I don't know why we were doing this but um we had a toilet paper race so no. i'm sorry what <laughs> a toilet <laughs> paper race okay that needs explain, to be explained explain, explain, explain please bring yes. the toilet paper yes. you know it was passing it all the way from the back of the cabin to the front of the cabin and then they basically put one end of it in the toilet and flushed it and it sucked it out of everyone's hands <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I, 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 I'm literally looking at Carlos with a wide open mouth. I, I, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely shocked. Although, to be honest with you, it does sound like something that the legend that is Nev would probably do because he says in the chat room uh, on Facebook that I started drinking at twelve. That probably explains quite a lot. Oh, right. uh, so, so okay. Yeah, I, I think Nev would be up for a for a, for a toilet. Uh, Toilet. I don't know yeah. if BHCBA wouldn't allow it though, because he quite he predominantly flows with flies with British yeah, Airways, yeah. and I can't imagine British Airways allowing such frivolity. Nice. No, I can't imagine. But South Southwest has a has a nice culture uh, in terms yes. of uh, cabin, and, and, and mm. as does JetBlue, and it, it's two of the airlines that do that, and they are both seen really as as low cost carriers or thought of as low cost carriers when mm. they're not. They're the, the prices are the same as as everybody else, but they seem to develop a nice culture around them, and mm, yeah. uh, and it's pleasant to uh, mm. to fly with Southwest yeah. and. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to have uh, to get free drinks on Southwest. They are, um, maybe you, that would not be a good thing. I can for say, those have, you, of you in the UK. have you been busy fluttering your eyelids at <laughs> oh, the yeah, cabin Steph. crew again? Have oh, you getting oh, free yeah. drinks? I mean, just, uh, you know, 
<laughs> for any various thing, they'll they'll comp your drink for you. Right, it's, it's okay. pretty nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I did that, it would not work. No, that, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying over, yeah. on the matter. Mm. I'm going to glaze over. We're going to move. So on. moving on to the yeah. next story. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is for you, Steph. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me get back to my news stories here. <laughs> All right. Fine. So this is the one on travelweekly.co.uk. Mm. It says, uh, Jetstar aircraft diverted after cabin fills with smoke. Oh, no. Uh, this was from just yesterday, September 23rd. An aircraft flying from Sydney to, how do you pronounce that? Cairns? Cairns. Cairns. Cairns, yeah. Cairns. I don't know. In Australia, was forced to divert to Brisbane at about 40 minutes into its flight after filling with smoke. Video shot by a passenger on the Jetstar flight showed smoke in the cabin as the crew prepared to get passengers off the aircraft on landing. Uh, Jetstar said there had been a technical fault with an engine. The budget airline denied it was an emergency landing and said the smoke entered the cabin only after the aircraft landed, the BBC reported. Um, But some passengers reported hearing a noise and smoke filling the cabin while the plane was still in the air. Flight JQ-956 was on its way from Sydney to Cairns when the captain shut down one of the aircraft's engines and diverted it to Brisbane as a precaution, the airline said. Uh, the smoke would have entered the cabin through the air conditioning unit, which runs via air from the engines, the carrier said, adding that it was investigating the cause. Passengers were tra- or transferred to another flight later on Thursday. There were no reports of injuries. Well, I mean, this is—I mean, this obviously makes common sense, doesn't it? You know, he's noticed that this—you know—that that there is a problem with the engine. He shut it down. I know planes can fly perfectly well only on, on one, one engine, engine but yeah. you just think, well, it's a good idea. You just divert but, somewhere else, and but know, this is uh, must this be worrying if you've got smoke in the cabin, though. I mean, but it's bleed be... air from the engines. It's used—it's—it's uh, it's through the air conditioning uh, on the air. I mean, uh, mm. Al and Pip will probably explain this in a yeah. bit more detail, but. Mm. Um, that's generally where the where the smoke tends to come from when it's mm-hmm. you know in the cabin as such. But uh, yeah. well, I I hope someone was fine because everybody knows that there's no smoking in the cabin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so it was you're going to find. Yeah. No. It's dry. It's, no. Sorry. It's fine. They, they got, what, they, the what they do is that. Oh dear. Uh, what, <laughs> what What they do is they find the engine. They find they find the engine an awful lot of euros, and uh, and then the engine is told off, and the engine will never do it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's a good outcome from here. At least it was yes, uh, a safe. Outcome well, and very precautionary. Was it poor, you mm. know land? You know diverting to the nearest airport, landing. Uh, mm. All right, a bit of inconvenience for the passenger. But I know as a passenger, I would much prefer that they did that um, than sort of carry on regardless and say right okay we've only got one engine but we're going to carry on you know because <laughs> I wouldn't like that yeah, no, they a, would, a, that yeah. wouldn't happen no, no, <laughs> anyway no, so fair point. I think any prudent airline pilots are going to do the same thing mm-hmm. so. so the last uh, story a, uh, oh, I was going to say Michael. on a side note regarding smoke in the cabin this is kind of strange and I'd like your opinion on it Carlos a friend of mine uh, who's a pilot and he flies uh, and, and Steph this would you you would actually be very helpful with this. He flies, you know, one seventy twos and one eighty twos, and he says he wants Ooh. to get a smoke mask in case he ends up encountering smoke in the cabin. And I said, "What? Are you out of your mind? You're not smoke flying above. Uh, you need we're in a place where you need oxygen. If you end up with smoke in the cabin, maybe you want to set the goggles. Let <laughs> worst case scenario, you open the windows, you pop the doors open. It's yeah. going to clear out. Yeah, You're not going to have any problem, mm-hmm. and for any reason, need any kind of a smoke mask in the cabin of a one eighty two or a one seventy two no. Cessna." It, probably not. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, if you've got that much smoke filling your space, you've got very, very big problems at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, land, yeah. just land. Even even if it's on a yeah. field, just land. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's quite, it's quite, it's actually quite. Even with the 
horrible little um, hundred horsepower engine, slow Cessna one fifty. You know, opening the window when you're flying along. You know, there is quite a bit of pressure, yeah, yeah, resistance yeah. when you're trying to open a window. It's, I mean, obviously, Steph flies a far more um, higher performance aircraft. Well, than I would me, expect so. nothing less. Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just the little window on the Cessna one seventy twos and one fifties. You can open. You can get those open. Hmm. Yeah. Flight. For sure. yeah. Well, well um, you say that's the most sensible thing to do rather than than, than a mask. I think, as you say, it's uh, not really going to help very much, is it? So the last story uh, for this segment this week is yours, Micah. This one, uh, we've got some pictures of this, so we'll put these on while we're reading the story, Micah. Yeah, and I think you gave this to me because this kind of story happens in Maine at least once a year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Light aircraft makes an emergency landing on French motorway after suffering engine failure during a training flight over a forest. These are incredible scenes after the instructor pilot landed his aircraft on a French motorway after the engine pa packed up in midair. The pilot, who had two students aboard, was flying the aircraft when the engine is believed to have cut out above the A8 motorway, and I'm not going to pronounce that. <laughs> what? Do you have any idea? Brignol? Brignol? Brignol. Brignol. Near Brignol in the south of France. That'll do, yes. <laughs> okay. The aircraft took off shortly beforehand from the aerodrome, boy, my French is really terrible, Cour Pierrefou, some 10 miles away. After getting into trouble, the pilot searched for an area where he could safely land and determined the A8 motorway was the only safe location. On one side of the road, there was heavy woodland. On the other, there were houses and shops. Instead, the pilot picked a gap in the traffic below and touched down before coming to a halt. Well, I'm glad he picked a gap in the traffic. Could you imagine landing on a car? No, that would be, anyway, the aircraft was a Robin DR-400 and registered to a flying club at the aerodrome. According to police, the pilot was taking the two students on a tourism flight when he got uh, into difficulty. The pilot and his two passengers escaped from the aircraft uninjured. Following the emergency, a group of technicians dismantled the aircraft, which could not be flown from the motorway, and removed it on a truck. This kind of thing happens in Maine all the time. In fact, it happened to one of the warden service aircraft here in Maine because the pilot, who is no longer a pilot for the warden service, ran out of fuel. Oh, no. Can you imagine? Mm. Oh, that is the worst. That, that's, that, that's your worst nightmare, isn't it, really? But then, it, it, now, did he run out of fuel because he completely screwed up judging how much fuel was required in order to c complete his flight? Or, or did They he... haven't reported it, but there were no leaks in the right. gas tanks. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm sure it's the same when it comes to flying, but from, from my point of view, and I'm using, I'm sorry, again, I'm using coach driving as an example because it's the only thing I can, you know, in comparison to you guys, obviously the only thing I can use as a clear reference point. But you have uh, a, a duty of care to ensure that the vehicle you take out has enough fuel in it hmm. or you have provision, you know, to to fill up basically if you break down on the side of the road and you've run out of fuel uh, the driving standards agency which is like well they used to call it vosa but the people that we are we're more scared of them than we are the police let's put it that way if if we break break down on the side of the road and we've run out of fuel they will literally throw the book at you because of that that risk that unnecessary risk to passengers um being broken down on the side of a motorway or whatever because you've run out of fuel. Uh, presumably, th those same protocols are in place when it comes to to air aviation and flying. Surely, you know, one of the things yeah. mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm you know when I'm checking the aircraft out before we uh, for, before we go for a lesson, me and Stuart, you know, even if the aircraft has been fueled mm. or it's it's assumed it's been fueled or it's had some fuel. I'm always told to check anyway, regardless, yeah, regardless of whether of you've what. been told it's got fuel. Uh, with, yeah. with a, a dipstick yeah. we have to dip in the tanks on the top of the Cessna 150 yeah. because the gauges are not 
100 accurate. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fabian uh, has actually said in, in in Facebook chat here that uh, a similar thing happened on the German autobahn a few weeks back with a DR four hundred two. That w- that was an engine failure. Yeah, yeah. but I will tell you what, yeah. uh, I was just going to say for for here in the U.S. the um, uh, the federal regulations say that uh, you cannot, for VFR flights anyway, we'll just stick with that. Yep. Um, if you're going to take off for a flight, you have to have enough fuel to reach your planned destination with enough fuel to cruise for another 30 minutes at normal power setting. Okay. Um, that's during the day or 45 minutes at night. So and and I that's presumably for, that's allowing for the fact that, um, you know, sometimes if you get a very, very strong headwind, obviously that can have a massive oh, yeah. Uh, impact. Yeah, that goes on. into your fuel planning for exactly, sure. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and about two years ago, I got a phone call from a very close friend of mine who we were on our way out to dinner. She was supposed to meet me, and she said, I'm going to be a little late. I'm stuck in traffic. And I said, well, what's going on with the traffic? She says, an aircraft just landed on Route 95. <laughs> oh, right. And she took pictures of it. it was, yeah, and it was a, one of those uh, emergency landings. Uh, they don't. It wasn't a fuel issue. It was something else happened. But, yeah, the aircraft landed on Route 95 right here in Portland. Wow, well, I have to say, so, I think if, I think Steph will probably agree. If you're if you're flying a light aircraft, GA aircraft, and you know you you do have an issue, and you've got to land somewhere, and there is a massive motorway or or freeway, as you call them, I think, uh, like a, a large motorway. I think the best place if you're going to land, if there's nothing there, no uh, obstructions. I think you know if you've got the chance to, mm. is probably the best yeah, bet it, to land. It there. depends. I mean, you so that's one of the things that you know, not from a uh, not to be thinking from a morbid standpoint, but you always want to know what your options are if something were to happen. Um, there's a lot of considerations, I think, that go into landing on a road. Yes, it's a nice long piece of pavement that is probably going to accommodate a small aircraft, um, but you have to take into account how busy is that road, what's the traffic like. You know, I don't I don't think anyone would want to put someone else at risk um, in one of those situations. You know, you're already in risk. You're in um You already have your own emergency, but you shouldn't create an emergency for someone else if yeah, you can. No, you indeed. Know best help it um so yeah you got to take in and here you know there's a lot of large roads that aren't perhaps highways or motorways but you have to take into account too they're crisscrossed in a lot of places by uh power lines telephone lines so you know those are things you don't want to run into either no no indeed completely agree with that so that is why we bring our commercial news segment to a close for uh, and before we go any further if if i could just make this mention my good friend very good friend and former radio co-host Eric Rybeck is in the YouTube chat room. I'm so happy he was able to join us. Oh, fantastic! Hello, greetings to you. Indeed, yes. Well, I, I hope I hope the uh, video is okay for him. Yeah, because we're doing doing. Uh, I'm doing something. Uh, you have no idea how many how many things are going on at this end of the studio trying to pull this. So what we got? What we got up now? Then, uh, well, yes. Uh, now it is time to uh, sort of you know sort of uh, it's time to let him out of his cage for a little while. The legend Ooh. that is Pilot Pip, as we let loose uh, on the airwaves, our resident pilots so uh, it's time for a brief safety briefing from pilot pip plane safety from the flight deck with pilot pip hi everyone it's pip here hope you're all well if you follow me on twitter you may have seen that i've recently been trying to get back into gliding now gliding something i used to enjoy very much Uh, in my earlier years as a a teenager. In fact, it's how I really first learned to fly and it's been the better part of 25 years, I guess, since I've done any. So I'm I'm trying to learn again, relearn how to glide and it's a lot of fun and it's quite a challenge. It really is a totally different sort of flying. Uh, So I thought I might just take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about gliding. Maybe it's not something you know an awful lot about and 
obviously, as I'm sure you'll appreciate, a glider does not have an engine. It doesn't have any method of producing thrust or propelling itself forwards. So you might wonder, how on earth do you take off in a glider if it hasn't got an engine? So just a short segment to tell you about the four main methods of launching a glider, how you take off in a glider. Now the main one, and the one that I'm concentrating on at the moment, is something called winch launching. So picture this, at one end of a long strip of grass and airfield you have the glider that you want to fly, and at the other end of the airfield you have a very large uh, engine-driven winch, like a, on a great big diesel or petrol engine, and what it has is a great big long steel cable, very high strength steel cable, typically something in the region of three to 7,000 feet in length, so a pretty big heavy bit of cable. And this is connected to the winch onto a large barrel or a drum. And the other end you hook onto the bottom of the glider. So what you do as the pilot when you're ready to go, once you've completed all your pre-flight preparations and your checks, you have a guy who's holding the wing for you because the um, the glider, when it's just sitting on the ground, it just tends to sit on, on with one wing on the floor. So you have a wingman holding up the wing and you let him know you're ready to go and he signals the winch driver to start taking up the slack in the cable. So what the winch driver will do is just very slowly start to wind in that cable, that three to seven thousand feet of cable, just very slowly start to wind it in. And when it gets taut, when it's nice and tight, when there's no more slack in the line, the pilot will give another signal to go all out. That's what it's called, all out. So the wingman he signals the winch driver and at that point the winch driver will give full throttle on the winch and it will start to wind in the cable very very quickly and of course it pulls the glider along the ground and within a few seconds the glider will have picked up enough speed due to being pulled forwards very quickly pick up enough speed to get airborne and it will then commence in a very very steep uh, climb typically something like 45 degrees nose up climb now, compared to a conventional aircraft, this really is quite exhilarating. Uh, I highly recommend you give it a go if you ever get the chance to be going up almost like a rocket, 45 degrees or more, up into the air. And as you, as the cable's getting wound in and in, and the, the glider's going up and up and up, you'll start to slow the speed just a little bit. And on a good winch launch, the glider could get up to at least a thousand feet but typically more like 1300 or 1500 feet depending on the headwind and the skill of the the uh, pilot and the skill of the winch driver and then at the top of the launch when the glide is almost directly above the winch you'll then pull a little cable in the glider and that will release the the steel cable or you can let it what's called back release so you overfly the winch and the cable will just self release from the glider and then the winch driver will then uh, pull in the rest of the cable. The cable's attached to a little drogue parachute, obviously a steel cable, a 7,000 foot steel cable is quite heavy, so you don't want it falling on anyone. So it's got a little, uh, a little drogue parachute, so it falls gently to the ground, and the winch driver winches it in, and then he can pull it out ready for the next glider to attach to. And typically these winches might have two, four, or six, or even more uh, cables, separate cables and separate drums on them. So it's a tremendously exciting way of launching a glider. Um, but there are a number of things you've got to bear in mind. The, the cable does have a weak link on it, 
because um, the cable it needs to be able to, to break you don't want to be uh, stressing the airframe of the glider if there's a problem so it's got a weak link which can and often does break so you've got to practice as a pilot what happens if a cable breaks if it breaks uh, right at the beginning of the launch or if it breaks halfway up the launch when you're only a few hundred feet you need to be able to uh, very quickly recognize and deal with a cable break now depending on the height and the conditions you may choose once the cable's broken just to land the glider straight ahead if there's enough uh, enough airfield remaining or you may need to fly a very low and very short circuit back around and, uh, and land back where you started and hopefully next time I go to my gliding club on Monday um, I'll be practicing a couple of cable breaks and then all going well I'll be signed off ready to go solo again so I'll be able to start enjoying some some solo flight before I start to embark on further progressing my gliding skills start looking at cross-country flying and uh, thermaling and soaring and all that kind of great stuff but that's winch launching and it's pretty popular and it's also generally the cheapest method of launching a glider I think at my club we pay about £8.50 per winch launch which is pretty good and then the glider costs it's something like 30p a minute um, so compared to conventional powered aircraft flying it really is quite affordable and then the other very popular method of launching a glider is something called an aerotow now it's a little bit more expensive but it does have some real advantages an aerotow and that's kind of what it sounds like you're using a powered aircraft like a chipmunk or some other uh, single engine piston aircraft to tow the glider up into the air so again you have a, a length of cable not so long this time maybe oh I don't know a hundred feet in length uh, attached to the powered aircraft then you can attach the other end to the glider and in a kind of a similar way with taking up the slack in the line then going all out full throttle the powered aircraft can then tow the glider up into the air now the glider gets airborne at a much lower speed than the powered aircraft so there's a, a period of a, a few seconds 10 or 20 seconds when you're having to fly the glider just above like a foot above the ground and that's really exciting that's good fun it takes a lot of skill where you fly the glider just a foot or so above the ground whilst you wait for the airspeed to build so the powered aircraft can uh, get airborne itself and then the advantage of having an aerotow is that the you can be towed up to a much higher height or altitude than you get off a winch launch as I say a winch launch will typically give you about 1300 feet above the aerodrome something like that but with an aerotow you can really you've got much more freedom typically you get an aerotow up to about two and a half or three and a half thousand feet in the UK maybe a bit more but really there's you're only limited by the height that the powered aircraft is capable of, of dragging you up to so in theory you could go much much higher and whereas a winch launch it only lasts let's say 30 seconds in total with an aerotow you might be towed behind that aircraft for 20 minutes or, or 30 minutes even so you've got to be and there's quite a skill in that and that's one of the things that you have to uh, practice a lot and be signed off for before you can do it solo is to how to fly behind an aircraft that's towing you uh, you can imagine there's a lot of aerodynamic effects from the slipstream of the uh, the powered aircraft but also there must be a lot of um, safety implications you can imagine two aircraft towing each other two aircraft connected by a, a bit of cable you can, might imagine if you know if the glider pilot goes mad and wants to fly in one direction and the uh, powered aircraft is going in another you could get yourself into all sorts of trouble
So there's a number of procedures, a number of uh, signals that the um, powered aircraft might give you by waggling its wings and doing other things to to signal that uh, you need to release the cable as a problem or that you're producing too much drag. Maybe your air brakes are out and you've not realized. So there's lots of things the glider pilot needs to be aware of and learn before he can start doing these aerotos uh, on his own without an instructor. But aerotos are great fun and typically you'll get a good few thousand feet off the launch and hopefully if he's a good tug pilot, the guy flying the, uh, the towing aircraft, he'll find an area of good thermaling, an area of lift to, to release the cable. So he'll drop you off in a, a, a good area where you can start straight away um, gliding using the, the air currents, the warm rising air to start gaining more altitude which is after all the whole point or one of the points of gliding is to being able to stay airborne using just nature. But if you thought aerotowing was crazy enough, well actually there's no reason why an aerotow has to be confined to just one glider. It's not terribly uncommon to find clubs that will do dual tow, so the powered aircraft will tow two gliders at the same time on one bit of cable. So the way that works is one glider will take up a low tow position, is what it's called, so it will fly slightly below the powered aircraft that's towing them, and the other glider will take up a high tow position, so just above the powered aircraft. And actually, get this, the world record for aerotowing is actually nine aircraft a single engine piston powered aircraft towing nine gliders up into the air. Quite remarkable. In fact, that's on YouTube. If you go and search Aerotow World Record, you'll see this, uh, this crazy event taking place somewhere in France, I think. Nine gliders being towed. And then the other two methods of launching a glider aren't terribly common. Well, certainly I've not seen them in operation. And one of them is an auto tow. It's kind of a hybrid, I suppose, between a winch and an aerotow. What you use here is a large, powerful car, like a, a Range Rover or something, to to launch the glider. So again, you have a, a length of cable. One end is attached to the car, the other end to the glider. And when you're ready, the car accelerates hard and fast down the runway, um, and pulling, you know, pulling the glider up with it. Uh, what you'll need here is a very uh, long, flat bit of tarmac to do this. It doesn't really work on grass, unfortunately. But if you've got a nice long runway and a nice powerful car and a good length of cable, then you can auto-tow. And actually, it's pretty uh, a pretty efficient method of, of launching a glider. You can get on a good day, you can get up to 1,300 feet on an auto-tow. Uh, so a similar sort of height as you'll get off a winch launch. But it is quite rare. I'm not aware of too many clubs that do auto-tows anymore. And then the last method is possibly the most exciting and probably also the most rare now. I, I'm not sure if there's anywhere in the UK that still does this. And that's bungee launching. Now think of sitting uh, in your classroom when you were a kid at school and you've got an elastic band and you're flicking peas or, or something at your teacher or your mates. Well, that's kind of what a, a bungee launch is. It's essentially a very large rubber band stretched across two points and you attach the, the bungee, the middle of the bungee to the glider and then you get three or four people to tug the whole thing backwards uh, and what you need, you need to do this on a gentle downhill slope so you're launching the glider off the side of a hill and it would also help massively if you had a good strong uh, stiff headwind 
So you pull the glider back, and then just like a, a rubber band, you let the whole thing go, and it fling pings the glider forwards down and off the side of this off this hill, hopefully straight into some nice rising air from the wind that's coming up the hill, and then you can go straight into ridge soaring. It's a method of gliding where you're using the the lift, the orographic lift developed from the side of a hill where the the wind is meeting the hill and being forced upwards. So you can use that rising air, that lift to to fly and to soar across the the length of the ridge and keep yourself airborne so that's bungee launching and as for me uh, i'm i'm concentrating at the moment as i said earlier on the winch launching when i next go to the gliding club uh, this monday hopefully if the weather doesn't foul me up again i'll be concentrating on just doing a few more winch launches and looking at cable breaks and if that all goes well maybe three or four cable breaks then i'll be uh, signed off hopefully to go solo again to go and fly on my own in a glider which uh, I'm hugely looking forward to so hopefully I can get that sorted next week uh, if I do I'll be sure to let you all know until then until the next segment or until the next episode of plane safety podcast take care everyone fly safe and if you've got some time to kill then go and visit your local gliding club promise you won't regret it Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. As always, Pip, a huge thank you to you for sending across your segment uh, for us this week. Mm. And uh, yeah, gliders. I know. Something we get a heck of a really lot of around this area. I really need to try that out. Mm. Yeah, it I, sounds like so much fun. It does sound like so much fun. Have you, have you never been, Steph? No, I've never done any gliding, soaring. Micah? Uh, Micah, we can't hear you. Sorry, I don't know if you've <laughs> got your microphone on, on mute. <laughs> yeah, that was there operator, we uh, operator error there. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Excellent. But, good, good. Uh, uh, but I've always wanted to do that. But, mm. you know, um, we talk about gliders, and, and I hear glider, and I think World War II glider. And, and what Pip was talking about to me is, to me, I think of as sailplanes, because right. a sailplane is going to fly and find thermals and, and stay yeah. up in the air for a long time, where to me a glider is something that just kind of comes down. Mm. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> right, I think we should bash straight on, because yes. we are, we are we going need, to, need we to are massively push on. Over, overrunning, as always. I know, we, uh, we don't so want to keep Steph, we don't no, want to keep Steph, bless her, no, she's no, got she, a decent fly. Yes, flying to do. I yes. so, I'm sorry, I'd like to keep Steph. I, like <laughs> I told you guys, I'm, I'm fine on time right now, no big deal. Uh, okay. We're good. Okay. Right, so we're so going to move on then with uh, a few, uh, we've got three military stories uh, yes. to bring you. Uh, I've got one, Steph's got one, and Micah's got one. So I'm seeing one because I have buttons to press. I know. <laughs> We're going to kick off with some military news, so if everyone's ready... Yes, we are. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go. So our first military news story this week, Armed Flight Global, is uh, all about the Bell V-247 Vigilant Unmanned Tilt Rotor. Mm. Is that, and, so that's uh, basically a, a, a helicopter. 
Yeah, yeah. Bell have unveiled this uh, particular mm. helicopter. It's uh, Bell helicopters have unveiled. An it's a un- massive radio-controlled helicopter. No, no, That's no. All it is. <laughs> it's an un- unmanned yes. tilt rotor aircraft. Yes, exactly. It's an un- it's like a, the it's- V. Like the V twenty two Asprey, man. Exactly. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, that yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, but it's but it's a big radio controlled helicopter. Uh, <laughs> so the V two four seven vigilant, uh, as it looks towards Jim will the be future, uh, requirement for the U.S. Marine Corps for a large armed platform capable of operating from ships. Although the U.S. Uh, United States Marine Corps have already uh, has smaller Group One and Group Three UAVs in its inventory, including the Textron Systems RQ-7 Shadow and Boeing Instu RQ-21A Blackjack. The service outlined its need for a larger armed system in its 2016 Marie Aviation uh, flight plan, an effort to end its reliance on the U.S. Air Force's fleet of uh, MQ-9 Reapers and MQ-1 Predators for export expeditionary missions. Dubbed the Marine Air Ground Task Force Unmanned Expeditionary Capabilities, also known as MUX, the service's UAV concept envisions a multi-sensor electronic warfare C4 and strike platform that would complement the Bell Boeing MV-22 Osprey tilt rotor and Lockheed Martin F-35B. However, the service is still defining the precise requirements of MUX, it says. Bell has not addressed the MUX uh, specifically, but says Vigilant will satisfy the United States Marine Corps' needs as outlined in the plan and could make the aircraft ready for production as early as 2023. That would align the service's timeline, which calls for a technology demonstration effort in 2018 and initial operational capability in 2026. Now, Matt's going to put a picture on the screen there of this. It is, I mean, it is it's the V-22 Osprey. It is. Uh, but, you know, a, a kind of smaller... A, a, a much lighter version. version much lighter version, yeah. It, yeah it, looks, it looks blooming good, though, I will it say. Yeah, <laughs> it's very UAV. Very cool. Um, and it'd be awesome to see this set to go into production. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a big radio-controlled helicopter. Oh, it's not a it is. Helicopter. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> Well, it's designed to uh, to work off the uh, the Marines' uh, amphibious assault ships, uh, the WASP class, which is, uh, if you look at them from the side and you don't know what they are, they look like a small aircraft carrier, but that's what the uh, uh, the, the Harriers were flying off of and the helicopters fly off of, and they also have uh, a uh, stern gate where they can uh, put landing craft in and out. But because they don't really have a deck for long takeoffs, like uh, the Navy does on a real aircraft carrier, they need something that can, uh, that can take off vertically but mm. also fly distances. So... Uh, that's where they use the V-22s, the Ospreys, and this is basically what they want the uh, the unmanned version of yeah. that for. It'd be nice to see these at uh, Farmer in a few years' time. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah well, or, or React. Don't really? worry. React, yeah. yeah, not fussy. Mm. <laughs> really? Oh, uh, Steph does Really interesting impressed. looking. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I was just saying, really interesting looking. Yeah. Well. No, they, they do look great. It's just such a cool toy. But it's a glorified radio-controlled helicopter. Oh, I know. I've got one in my cupboard here. <laughs> exactly. Really. Yes, exactly. So I'm ne- sure it's no easier or difficult to fly than an ordinary radio-controlled helicopter. So the next story then, <laughs> Steph, for you on the Yellowhammer News site, this one. Okay. I'm doing this one now. Okay. So, yes, yellowhammernewswebsite.com. Uh, uh, says, Key Army Aviation Training Center set to open in Alabama. Um so this is uh, CAE USA, a company specializing in aviation training, plans to begin offering flight training to U.S. Army aviators at a training facility opening in Dothan. I don't even know how you pronounce that. In Alabama. 
somewhere in Alabama <laughs> next week or next year <laughs> as part of the, the company's $75 million investment in the state. Tampa-based CAE USA also announced that it has taken delivery of the first three Grob G120TP aircraft that will mm -hmm. be used in the U.S. Army fixed-wing flight training program at the Alabama Center. The company said it has begun preparing its initial cadre of instructor pilots for the program. Our new Dothan Training Center will provide the Army with a modern, flexible, and cost-effective training center a solution specifically designed for the Army's fixed-wing aviators, said uh, Ray Duquette, president and general manager of CAE USA. The state of Alabama, Department of Commerce, and all the local government organizations in the Wiregrass area have been incredibly supportive and instrumental in the creation of what will truly what will be a truly world-class training facility, he added. Beginning next spring, the company's new 79,000-square-foot center will provide comprehensive training for more than 450 U.S. Army fixed-wing aviators each year, as well as flying, or as well as Air Force crews flying uh, C-12 twin turboprop aircraft. Um, the center sends, stands a little more than 20 miles from uh, Fort Rucker and the U.S. Army's Aviation Center of Excellent, Excellence, uh, the headquarters of Army Aviation and primary location for Army helicopter flight training for more than five decades. Alabama has more than 100 years in aerospace history, and I'm proud to see CAE make progress on the construction of the new training center um, located at the Dothan Regional Airport, Governor Robert Bentley said. Uh, this world-class training facility will train Army and Air Force pilots to keep our nations safe. So, good was on. It says construction is underway and the facility should be operational in early 2017. Uh, the center uh, will offer military aviators integrated classroom instruction, simulator training, and lining off. To support the program, the company is manufacturing a suite of next-generation training devices, including uh, C-12 King Air full-flight simulators. Uh, they're also developing what it calls motherships, which are simulators Ooh. with an innovative, <laughs> I know, right? Innovative roll-on, roll-off cockpit design that enables cockpits of various aircraft types to be used in the simulators for training. That's kind of cool. Um, they will design and manufacture two Grob G120TP integrated training or procedures trainers, as well as desktop trainers and courseware. Uh, the G 120TP is a two-seat turboprop training air aircraft built by Germany-based Grob. Uh, and then uh, they go on to say this is uh, CAE is a global leader in aviation training and the new state-of-the-art training center shows its confidence in Alabama, said Greg Canfield, the secretary of uh, Alabama Department of Com Commerce. In addition, this project highlights the state's critical role in preparing military pilots for the important work they do. So basically, it's good so news for if you want to try and do some training. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, used for training and for you know the state of Alabama, it's a lot of money and resource being put in there. Um, what I thought was interesting is toward the bottom it says that the uh, the fixed wing flight training program is uh, set to uh, prepare experienced Army rotary wing aviators, meaning helicopter pilots, to fly the Army's fleet of more than 350 fixed wing aircraft because you know it's two different kinds of flying and mm -hmm. that's what it's designed for. Steph, have you ever flown King Airs? Um, I have ridden in, I have been in the right seat of a King Air. I didn't do much of the actual flying of the airplane, but yeah. I'd love to have a go on one is of it, those. Yeah, it's a beautiful aircraft. Yeah. Does, it, mm -hmm. does it look, uh, is it particularly difficult to fly or is it, uh, it looks like it would be a, a really good training aircraft to me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I can answer that question fully. Um, you know, the guy that I was uh, flying it with has 
thousands of hours of flight experience, so he made flying it look very easy. Um, I had just, at the time, started my multi-engine training, so things still moved pretty quick because now you have two sets of everything as opposed to one. But um, in terms of being particularly difficult to fly, I don't, I don't think so. I think Pip uh, has flown one of those in his time. I'm fairly sure that Pip has said that he's flown the King Air in his uh, in his aviation hit, uh, sort of uh, career at some point. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's one of these. I saw two of those at the uh, Malta Air Show, which is actually currently going on at the moment in uh, on the island of Malta. I saw two of those there at the air show last year, the King Airs. Oh wow! Uh, they're fantastic aircraft to see. Actually, I'd love to uh, mm. have a go at one of those. But moving on to the last story, and Micah, this is uh, about one of your uh, f particular favourite uh, aircraft, I think. Well, they, hopefully one day it'll be a favorite aircraft and they really get it flying and working. But right now, this is basically a publicity story uh, where Japan rolls out its first F-35A. And Lockheed Martin rolled out its the first 42 F-35A ordered by Japan's air defense, self-defense forces to replace a nearly 80-strong fleet of McDonnell Douglas F-4 Phantoms. And I can't believe that there are still countries flying those old F-4 Phantoms. They were great <laughs> aircraft, but they are certainly aged, just like our favorite F-4 Phantom flyer, who I will not mention his name because he'll get mad at me. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> the stealthy fighter featuring advanced radar electronics warfare and an internal weapons bay is expected to play a key role in Japan's elevated security posture, and it's supposed to play a key role in everybody's security posture if it ever really gets off the ground and can do what it's supposed to do. The JSDF ordered the F-35 after the, now this is interesting, the, J, the Japanese um, Japan Air Self-Defense Forces ordered the F-35 after the unveiling in China of the Chengdu J-20, a new fighter with a stealthy profile and development for the People's Liberation Army Air Force. Um, and now all of a sudden Apple software popped, popped up and said that I should update it. Oh, Why no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Convenient timing. Yeah. As a, quote, as the security environment surrounding Japan has become increasingly severe because of its excellence, it is, a very, it is very significant for the defense of Japan to commit to acquiring F-35 year by year. Kenji Wakamiya, Japan's state minister of defense, told the audience at Lockheed's production facility in Fort Worth. Lockheed will build the first four Japanese sets of in Fort Worth, AX-1 through AX-4, while Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, MHI, will produce remaining 38 under license at its Nagoya facility. Um, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, uh, which built Tokyo's fleet of Boeing F-15Js under license, won the 2011 competition to build the F-35A. In December, Mitsubishi Heavy, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries began work on the first F-35A assembled in Japan during the uh, dubbed the AX-5. Our work at the Nagoya facility involved the mating of the aircraft wings, fuselage, and tail. Wouldn't that be building the airplane? <laughs> Replicating Lockheed's process in Fort Worth and Leonardo and Leonardo's final assembly and checkout facility for the F-35 in Italy. Maintenance training is already underway for the first Japan air defense technicians at Elgin Air Force Base, Florida, and the first Jap Japanese pilots will begin training at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona in November, Lockheed says in a news release. And then there's a separate news department about uh, news, a little paragraph here about Japan also uh, picking up a couple of Boeing KC-46 tankers. Uh, tank that's, a, that's a publicity <laughs> story from Flight Global. Yeah, I, I must. I must just apologise. By the way, um, 
Micah, I accidentally pressed the wrong button while you were talking that story, and for a very brief couple of seconds, there were the titles rolling uh, while you were reading that story, so I'm sorry about that. That was entirely my fault. I take all the blame, and Nev will no doubt have a jolly good part of my express uh, expense. No problem. Mike is on. Let's roll the titles and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> go there we go. Yeah, Drop that. Go that far. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Micah. Yeah, so, yes, thank you. Sorry for being special. So uh, <laughs> for those of you, for those of you uh, listening to the show in the chat room and also the audio, we, uh, we, a few months back we uh, asked you to um, tell us about your favourite airlines and asked you to send in your, uh, your, your, your votes uh, for our little PTUK kind of uh, the favourite airline list. So we had lots of emails in. Uh, too many to run to sort of go through mm. really all at the same time but we uh, we have got uh, the top 10 plane talking UK list of top 10 airlines indeed and uh, it, I tell you what it was interesting definitely interesting mm. to see uh, to, to see what how, how it panned out in the end and I must um, say that the number one has really surprised me yeah number one well, we'll, we'll cover I that say in it surprised moment, me yeah. it's uh, definitely one I wasn't expecting to see in a no. number one spot no, okay, considering yeah. some of the top tens we've yes, done okay. on the show so who's going to go first you or me or, Ooh, or am I, I just doing know. my normal we, I'll just do my normal should we take one well, we'll, we'll, uh, well, well you can announce and me and Steph okay. and Michael will take one each yeah. okay right I'll start off with number ten okay alright so I'll do the I'll do the, uh, the numbers as always then so this is the PTUK listener top ten airlines and in at Number 10. At number 10, uh, Fiji Airlines. Fiji not an airline no, I've flown with. No, indeed. Not one I'm overly um, familiar not with. Not one I'm overly familiar with, Fiji Airlines, but no. they, they are at number 10. And uh, number 9. Who's taking that? Steph. Okay. Alitalia. Oh, right. oh, well, Micah. Or Micah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so, I jumped yeah. in. Yeah, so that's, that, that's in. number 9. Uh, Steph, number 8. Some airline I've never heard of, uh, Virgin Atlantic. No, Ooh, I've never, no, I've never heard that. Yeah, I can't imagine that sounds color. horrific. Can you yeah. imagine? So, I've heard rumours about their pilots. You know, yeah, they've um, got yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. Uh, uh, anyway, at number seven. Well, at number seven, it's another Virgin, Virgin America. Ooh, ooh, aren't they? Aren't they? Seven, yeah. I've never heard of them either. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Micah, number six, Aer Lingus. Oh, no, you said yeah, surprised that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I suppose, you know, is, is it, if you do it by, you know, lots of people fly with them, don't they? So, because they're a sort of low cost airline and all yeah. that kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, number five, Steph. Southwest. Hey. Ah, there we go. Yeah, it's been mentioned quite a lot, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Carlos, number four. At number four, it's uh, it's an airline. Never heard another of one of those. Oh, ones I've never heard of them. Uh, no, Delta. Yeah. Delta Airlines. Who? Delta Airlines, yeah, anyone? Never Never heard of that no, one. No, no, I've never heard of that I one. hear they've got some really uh, good pilots, so they have got some oh, really quality pilots. Oh, again, see, no, that's not what I've heard. No. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, they want, they want a, another quality airline that begins with A, I think. But anyway, no, moving right. on. Uh, number three, Micah? Emirates. Ah, ah, number three. Yeah, see, yeah. they always no, seem thought, to be in the top spot. Yeah, I thought they'd have been. Yeah. I thought they'd have been further. Uh, and uh, I, I'm I'm wondering if uh, with number two, perhaps Nev sent in multiple. You know, uh, he uh, only I sent one email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how many times yeah, did, yeah. Nev, how many nine times did Nev actually vote? But uh, number British two, Airways. yes, absolutely. British thanks, Airways. Thanks, Steph. And we'll leave the the man whose fault it is that we're all sat here right now doing this particular show uh, Carlos number 1 please. so number 1 especially for all our uh, our friends across uh, in Europe really this mm. one and uh, number 1 is mm. KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. Ah, now you see Ray Davis and I, I, Ray Davis had voted Qantas actually as yeah, one of his yeah. favourite airlines, and I'm surprised not to see that in 
in the list, given how... Well, we had... Uh, I'm going to quickly go through uh, just some of the emails that mm. we got sent in. Uh, and uh, Glenn Towler, uh, he emailed in. He, he voted for Virgin America. Mm. Uh, he liked the mood lighting, the seat pitch, ah, the yes. customer yeah. service. Um, another uh, email we had in uh, from uh, someone called... Where are we? Let's go through here. I'm just trying to pick that as we go through the list. Um, we've got one... Oh, we've got one here from Shortbacker. Yes. And uh, he voted for... Uh, Someone. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it when research is done on the fly. I know. I, I'm just... <laughs> Not. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And should uh, he voted for Alitalia. Okay, actually. right, yeah. He voted yeah. for Alitalia. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he he likes the atmosphere on the aircraft, um, okay. and they used to apparently they used to get a glass of blood orange juice with sweet biscuits on uh, mm. on the mm, trip, and nice. it was also the first trip he took on the mad, one of the Mad Dog aircrafts. So, so come on then, we're going to ask our guest Steph, which airline would you say is your favourite with regards to sort of flying? I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to pick as the impartial. Uh, person from representative from the apg show apg okay all right you'll just have to guess oh there is one on the list that is my favorite okay right so that narrows it down to 10 that's good okay uh now i'm hoping michael will be a little less pc uh do you have a favorite airline mike (laughs) well yes of course it's the uh, it's acme airlines Uh, right of course now i have heard of the acme group and yes they're my absolute favorite of course definitely have the best pilots but definitely um, why didn't i think of that (laughs) i was gonna say usually voted number one in turn and i didn't participate in this because I there, there wasn't a criteria to pick from. In terms of domestic uh, carriage here in the U.S., the three top airlines that usually get chosen are Virgin, uh, Virgin America and uh, Alaska Airlines and JetBlue. Oh. Now, what's interesting, uh, Virgin America and uh, Alaska Airlines are merging. And they will be one airline. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be another interesting merger because uh, Alaska Airlines, based in Seattle, is an all Boeing aircraft company, mm. and Virgin is an all Airbus aircraft company. So the merge is going to be happening. They've been talking a lot about it, but they're the two of the best uh, airlines or domestic airlines within the U.S., and they have tremendous ratings, and uh, and they're coming together as one. So they're hoping they can keep the uh, that high rating. And then JetBlue service has always been phenomenal. You get uh, more more for your money there sometimes in terms of the quality of the seats and the entertainment on board and uh, kind of like along the ways of Southwest, And uh, although you have to pay for your bag, but you have in-flight entertainment as well mm-hmm. with seatback uh, electronics, et cetera, and so on. Mm-hmm. So... But in terms of favorite, you know, there's the favorite flights I never flew. I got to pick Singapore Airlines. Never been on them, but they got to be my favorite. Just be able to <laughs> see the Singapore girls. <laughs> so a couple, oh, couple more, a couple more of the emails <laughs> that we had through. Um, got to mention uh, Barbara, uh, our lovely yes, friend Barbara Parrish, who we met at the APG meetup. We did. Uh, Barbara's favorite was Aer Lingus. Uh, she loves the, uh, the 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 green tones uh, mm. and. Uh, and she also likes the Fiji Airlines as well. Mm. Um, but she was just saying in the email that she's uh, mentions an airline called Peach Airlines. And I oh, tried to find some. Yeah, I tried to find mm. some information on these. These were uh, back in ni- in the nineties. Oh, uh, cool. Peach Airlines, but I, I looked everywhere, couldn't find anything. See, I'm I'm old, I'm old enough to remember Air Two Thousand. Well, yeah, Air Two Thousand <laughs> was really cool as well. Uh, I flew. I flew. I had a yeah. uh, jump seat flight in one of those on the 757 no, 200 well. yeah um, cool. uh, Benjamin Todd uh, he loved Virgin Atlantic because mm-hmm. of the seat pitch and the video tech 
and the freebies such as the toothbrush, eye mask, mm. and and stuff. See, like I'm, that. I'm not so bothered about the uh, the the, uh, the the freebies, but for me, it would be exactly that. It's all about the tech that you can have around you, and it's got to be the seat peach. Pitch. Pitch. Given that yeah. I'm a little little bit bigger than your little, we also had nicely uh, a little bit bigger than your average human being. The the seat pitch is is a huge factor for we me. We had a last minute email this week mm-hmm. from Michael Clark. He's in Tennessee. Oh, cool. And uh, his favourite was Southwest. Okay, um, cool. With second place in his mind being Acme. Of course. But uh, thank you, uh, <laughs> thank whoever, you whoever they are. Yeah. Thanks, Michael, for your uh, for your email. <laughs> but thanks everyone who uh, well, really you know, responded uh, to be, that. Be, it makes sense that KLM would be number one because they're the oldest. You know, they were founded in 1919, mm. and uh, wow. and based on what I've learned from you know from from, from Masha and and, yeah. and, and and Myla and everyone that you know because of the uh, Dutch traditions that whenever mm. you board KLM aircraft you get uh, three kisses. So yeah. you know, really, once again, apologies. Very nice. Yes, indeed. No, that's good. But no, we're going to say a huge thank you to everyone who emailed in uh, mm. your your views on now what you like to We do have an, uh, another another poll that we've, we are we've going launched. to start a new yeah. poll. And that, this is thanks to Barbara as this well. This is actually. thanks we're to Barbara. Yeah, we uh, what we're going to do? Then we're going to have another listener poll, uh, mm-hmm. PTUK listener poll. Uh, this one is going to be what your favourite aircraft livery is. is. Yeah, so absolutely. what your favourite aircraft. Uh, color yeah, design, color artwork, yeah, yeah. design. So, so not, not, not on on how good they are with customer service or anything like that. All no. we want is literally uh, details of your favourite aircraft livery. Um, so, I mean, it can be uh, specials, it can be retro, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, retro design. If you can find or... us an example to send us, that would be really, really handy so that we can look it up and, and, and sort of back it up with photographic evidence. But, uh, yeah, so that's our next uh, poll, please. Yeah. Uh, up to the, or Emails to the usual places, so it's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com or you can fill in the contact form on our website. And we would like, please, your favourite aircraft livery. Mine, mine, mine. Kalula would have to be one of the ones I'd, um, I'd like. Yeah, Kalula Airlines. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that in yeah. more detail uh, next week. But what we'll, I'll do, you know. I shall put all the uh, details and bits and pieces on mm-hmm. our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, oh, good news, well. everyone! Kathy's home from the pub. Oh, well done, Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely to see you and hear you on the. Uh, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yes. So it's uh, it is. It's been a really good show. I've really enjoyed I this. It's been great. It's been a and long that, show. It's been. A I know. Long it's because it's because Steph's here. You see that yes. the show's gone uh, long. Yeah. Gone no, no, it's just gone very quickly. That's that's she's, all it is. It's the same length. She's, uh, she's <laughs> given us uh, APG syndrome. Because yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Uh, but uh, we've we've had two fantastic guests. We have. Uh, Steph, yeah. I, I don't know what to say, but thank you very, very much for Thanks joining for getting us. Up. In case somebody is oh, stuck right. in under a stone, uh, how do they get to listen to the airline pilot guy? Oh, there's so many ways to listen to the Airline Pilot Guy show now. I don't even know if I can remember all of them. Um, But one of the easiest ways is you can um, go to the website to explore some of those. So you can go to AirlinePilotGuy.com. We just just popped that up on the old uh, uh, YouTube feed now. So that is AirlinePilotGuy.com. That's the the website there. On there are links to listen to the show live. There's also details about a coffee fund. I don't know why you'd want one of those. Uh, And then obviously (laughs) APG Live. Uh, And then obviously details about the APG crew. Uh, Now, Micah. Sorry. Steph. Oh, no. Carry on. I was just going to say the same thing you just said. Oh. Trying to talk over you, my no, fault. No, 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 no. That would be mine. That would be the delay. Sorry, I'm I'm not very good at this presenting lock. That's why I'm a tech guy. Uh, okay, and uh, uh, Micah. Now, obviously, you do lovely segments for our show, which we very much enjoy. Uh, but apparently, you are prone to appearing on 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 a certain Airplane Geeks podcast as well. So uh, maybe you could tell them how they could listen to uh, that. 
Well, the Airplane Geeks is available at airplanegeeks.com, and I'm definitely a contributor at large with them. But, uh, you know, I'm just a podcast guest, and uh, I guess I'm a professional guest. Um, who was it that uh, I'm trying to remember the, the old joke of somebody that was always a guest on, on every show and they returned to? But, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but anyway, airplanegeeks.com, and you can. It's a wonderful show, and uh, it's the uh, the father son show of, of Plane Talking UK, I think. Definitely, oh, very true. Oh, very true. Yeah. So, Steph, uh, Steph, going back to you, Steph. When's uh, I'm guessing that that uh, guys can kind of find out when the next uh, APG is going to be live, uh, following you on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can. You, that's probably the best way way to find out when we're going to have a live recording. Sometimes we don't give you a whole lot of notice, but we try to <laughs> as soon as we figure that out. Yes. Sometimes we don't have a whole lot of notice. No, no indeed. Um, but if you follow us on Twitter uh, at APG Crew, um, you can follow all of us, all four of the, you know, usual guests and presenters on APG yes. individually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, APG Crew on Twitter is the the best way to find out all the information mm. for the show. Okay, and, and there's the APG app too. Oh yeah, oh, yes. I've got that on my phone. Yes, I am working on one for us, by the <laughs> yes. way. Yeah, I've got one. Absolutely. I've got the, the APG, APG app. app. Yes, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. from that you can also listen to their downloadable podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no way you to can, do. You can. No way to um, do the live element to it yet, but um, I'll I'll well, talk to you how to do yeah, that. The, the downloadable podcast is on there. Um, I think recently there have been some uh, tech issues with the uh, actual apps themselves. So Uh-oh. if they're not working right at this moment, we are aware and we're working on that. Okay, so. good. Okay, there yep. we are. A Pub- little bit of public service information for you there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, in case uh, you are, well, well, you're listening to this, so presumably I don't need to do this because you've already found us. But, uh, yeah, if you would like to, uh, some more details on our show, the best way for you to do that is to take yourself to uh, com. Uh, on there you can see several things. You notice if you have looked uh, recently, we now have a new live button. So you can, not only can you listen to and watch our previous uh, episodes, uh, you can watch the event live uh, the same way you came with APG. Uh, and uh, also to email the show directly, take yourself to uh, your email uh, service provider. And the email address is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Yep, so don't forget to look for us on there. Find out the links for the next show, which will be next week. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I forgot, sorry, it's at Plain Talking UK on Twitter and uh, Plain Talking UK in Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Sorry. Yes, um, there'll be uh, obviously there'll be links and stuff to the show. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get the times out for when we'll have next week's show. One thirty-two. That'll be Episode next week. One thirty-two. So it just leaves me to say a massive thank you to everyone in the chat room for joining us today uh, in the Facebook chat room and in the YouTube chat room. Yes. Because it's been both busy. Uh, We've tried to keep up with uh, everyone in the chat room, but it's uh, a massive thanks to everyone. Ray Davis, um, uh, Fabian, uh, Mark Harvey, Jennifer, uh, um, and I'm just scrolling up the list here, Masha, uh, Fernando, Mm -hmm. and, and... and everyone who's joined us in the chat room, a huge thank you to you Indeed. all. Yeah, um, if we've missed anyone's name, please don't be offended, um, as I say. But <laughs> we're delighted there's so many now um, that we do have that issue. Oh, yeah, so definitely. I'm going to do something else that I've been playing on while oh, we've been no. doing it. Here we go. Oh. Uh, so, oh, look. There we are. Like we're, all t- we're all on the screen together. Oh, from, that's good. Uh, as we bring episode <laughs> number 131 to a close, uh, thank you very much to our amazing guests, Micah and Dr. Steph. Thank you so much for joining us both. Yes. Uh, it's been a great show, as always. We'll do this again sometime I think because it's been great fun and uh, from all of us uh, oh, have, a, have a great uh, day's flying as well Steph oh oh, Steph oh thank you Steph yes. now you're doing a, well. you're doing a, a, a run oh yeah what about you that's about your uh, yeah. run uh, your charity run Steph yes. go on give it a plug give it yes, a plug yes I do 
I can do that, I suppose. I um, <laughs> I usually just save that one for for family and friends. Um, no, but no. Every okay. every you, year. You're, um, you're well, amongst family past... and friends now. You yeah. see, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the past four years, this will be my fourth year in a row uh, running the Chicago Marathon, which is coming up in two weeks. Um, yeah, it's coming up real quick here. But I I run for a charity group, the Illinois Spina Bifida Association, which is actually a very close group to me because um, very close friends of mine from grade school and elementary school are heavily involved with that and I've been uh, very happy to run and um, raise funds on their behalf for the past four years. So wow, that's well done the, you. Yep. Excellent. I may have to get you guys a uh, I can get a link for that I suppose. Yes please, yes please oh, yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. Send us the link, we'll stick it out on our, on on our, our Facebook uh, page. Our Facebook yeah. page. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All the best with, uh, yeah. with that run Steph if we don't speak to you before then. But, uh, Thank you. Yeah. Micah, Micah, any last words from the legend that is the main man? Not much to say, other than it's been great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Excellent. An absolute pleasure anytime. So well, have a, have a good weekend, everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, to uh, Micah and Steph, hope you, uh, like I said, Steph, hope you have a good flight this afternoon. And, uh, Micah, enjoy your weekend. You too. And it was so great to be able to be here with you, Steph. Uh, likewise, Micah, and thank you to you guys too, uh, Matt and Carlos. An Pretty absolute sure pleasure. Hey. So, from all of us here in the studio, we're going to do a big wave. See, we're going to do all, all, <laughs> all, everyone wave all together as we say goodbye to episode number one hundred and thirty-one. Bye. 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 Bye.